Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into the Hoopsville Studios yet again. Of course, you are in the WBCA and ABC Studios. Thank you for taking the time. I am your host, Dave McHugh. We are broadcasting on this Monday on a special as we have learned the brackets and know who will be dancing in the NCAA tournaments on both the men's and women's side in Division Three basketball. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. All the ways you can chat with us, they're all scrolling at the bottom of your screen as well. We'll try and answer your questions on what will be a fascinating Brackets show. Um... We will be joined a little bit later um, by Ryan Scott to break down the brackets and get his thoughts on it. We'll also talk to one of those coaches who's dancing in the tournament. We knew that. But we'll also add a, an interesting twist to the men's side. Yeshiva, men's basketball coach, will join us to talk about the Maccabees in the tournament. Then we'll also talk to the men's committee chair. Tim Fitz, um, Fitzgerald will join us. Fitzpatrick, I should say, to join us to talk about the men's committee's work and their selections and their bracketing. We will unfortunately not hear from the women's committee chair, Bobby Morgan, unable to join us today. We will hopefully pre-tape something to either air in it separately or air on Thursday's show. We will work on solving that as soon as we can. Um, so that's all I had. It's not going to be a very long bracket show. I think in years past, it's been a longer show. We've had a lot of guests uh, honestly, I'm a little worn out, uh, so we're going to keep it a little bit tight, just work it, working down the brackets. We also know there's probably a lot of questions from people, and we hope to answer those questions the best we can as well. Again, you can also chat with us on our interactive areas. Uh, they are aplenty, and we hope you'll take advantage of those uh, on both our web stream live uh, on YouTube if you're on that page, or you can do it via the YouTube web stream, uh, simulcast as well. So lots of ways to interact, and we hope you'll take advantage. So we'll get going with our thoughts here in a bit as we push our social media outlet. But needless to say, um, I'm not sure if I'm disappointed or, or ecstatic um, on the men's side. We missed three teams. I half expected when I went to bed thinking about it all, we might have missed five or six. So to only miss three is rewarding. The three we missed was because two of them were at least were because we had them in the, well, all three are because we had different regional rankings. Not the ones we were able to acquire, but the ones we figured. All three were misses because of that. The first one, uh, we missed Amherst instead of Springfield. You might remember if you listened to the show last night, I was more in favor of having Springfield ahead of Amherst. My colleagues Ryan and Bob were not. Chalk that one up to me. Springfield in the tournament, not Amherst because of that swap. The other one completely caught me by surprise. Brockport leaped to second in the regional rankings. If we had realized that, maybe they get into the conversation. We never had them in the conversation. Our very last pick was Hobart, and Hobart fell hard in the regional rankings. Missed that one. And the other one was the long debate that we had between ETBU and Letourneau. I don't remember, because I'm a little tired, where I fell on that one. I know at one point I was leaning towards Letourneau, um, but then ETBU being 2-1 and one against them, especially the win this week, made me think that wouldn't happen and that ETBU would move ahead of Letourneau. That's the basis of that third miss. So really, again, not sure how our misses would have been if we had known the regional rankings better or had guessed better. I don't know how would we have done better 
but not too bad. On the women's side, we missed two. We thought Dartmouth would eventually get in. They did not make the tournament. They selected um, Whitman. We didn't think Whitman would get into the conversation either. We thought they'd get stuck behind Claremont Mud Scripps. Uh, they also picked Haverford. And I already know there's going to be questions about that. We had Haverford at the table. Didn't think they had good enough criteria. Say la vie. Um, by as we understand it, Bobby Morgan would not have participated in that part of the phone call. She hasn't told me how long she was off the call. She also wouldn't have taken part in bracketing. And maybe that's why we have a bracket the way we do on the women's side with some really interesting and tough first-round matchups. Um, but Haverford in. Take it what it is. Again, two misses on the women's side, three men on the men's side. And considering how wild and crazy it was this year, I'm both relieved because it's not as brutal as I thought it was, but I'm not necessarily thrilled because I like to try and do better. Um, we're tweeting or Facebooking. Breaking down the brackets. Uh, again, if you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Alan says, good afternoon, Dave. Great selection show today. Tough beat for UMass Dartmouth woman. Yeah, tough beat. Um, honestly, that's one of those. I got a call the, the night they lost, and I said to the individual, I said, uh, they're on a bubble. I don't love that they're on that bubble. i I rather they not be in that spot. Um, I'm a little worried about them. Depends on how everybody else does. I, again, we predicted they may make it into the tournament last night. Um, but the Northeast region, especially on the women's side, not as deep as everybody thought it was when it came to the national conversation. Um, again, I thought Dartmouth might be able to sneak in there. Maybe we were a little blinded by their numbers. Um, may I don't know. Here's the deal. Maybe, well, we should know, actually. Hold on. Let me see if I can find the... Uh, the women's see if the women's regional rankings have come out. They have not. We'll have to follow up on that. We have to figure out if the women's re, men's regional rankings did come out, uh, and that's where we saw some of the surprises. It, I want to see on the women's regional rankings if Boston made the cut. If if Mass Boston made it to the Northeast regional rankings, and Mass Bar Dartmouth was still left out, then I've got some questions, but I don't know the answer. It also says you got the Springfield men right, Dave. Thank you. Have you review how Brockport men got in over Hobart in the final rankings? Well, when I looked at the final rankings on the men's side, Hobart jumped um, significantly, uh, finished second. Hobart finished third. So we automatically know there's a difference there. Brockport's SOS is probably playing a factor there. There's only a two-game difference between the two at 19-7 and seven and 21-5. and five. Um, And if there's a, a sizable difference in the um, – SOS, which I'm looking up, hoping the data sheet is accurate that I'm calling up, and it is. Uh, Brockport was three and three in region with a 529. Hobart was one and two with a 524. I'm guessing they gave it to Brockport on the three on th three and three. Um, just double checking if Bro making sure they didn't have a head to head that I completely missed. Um, they did, and Brockport won it. So in reality, maybe we flat out forgot that one. Brockport had a head to head win over Hobart. They had a three and three in region record or regionally ranked opponents record. Hobart had a one and two. Their SOSs were equal, and Hobart had two wins better. Maybe we're splitting hairs a little bit. Maybe you could argue maybe the head-to-head -head trumped 
the two-game difference? Um, I don't know. That one probably split some hairs. But Hobart being second and playing more regionally ranked opponents probably had something to do with it. Uh, but Hobart being second is why they're in and Hobart got left out. How can Whitman, Washu, Whitworth, St. John's, Platteville all be in the same sectional? <laughs> Travel. Um, those are the number one through five teams in the top 25 last week. Brutal draw for those five teams. Toughest sectional. I think they're all tough sectionals on the men's side, plain and simple. I don't think there's an easy sectional at all on the men's side. That being said, uh, when it comes to travel, there's only so many things that they can do. They sent Whitman out to the Great Lakes last year. Well, you you mentioned they didn't do that. They kept them a little bit on more on the west side, and that's maybe rotationally based. Whitman's SOS, by the way, doesn't exactly scream that they need to be protected. It's like a 5-10. So it's not like they're, they're a slam dunk number one in the eyes of the committee. And I think with them putting them in the upper right-hand corner, they're telling you they're not the number one in the eyes of the committee. Um, the rest of that's all travel. Uh, Whitman and Whitworth weren't going to avoid each other in the Northwest Conference. And we have to figure out maybe Shriner, did they put into host or not? Because you could get Shriner and Sol Ross in the same place. But I think the only way to solve that is to ship out Whitworth, but then you have to fly someone in for to be in that pod anyway. So you're, that's two flights. If you ship Whitworth out of the Northwest Quadrant, you have to ship somebody else in, most likely. Or you're shipping Whitman out. It's still two flights. You keep them there, It's it, you, you save an extra flight, or two flights. So um, I'm not surprised Northwest Conference has to play through each other. I'm not a fan of it, but I understand how this all works, and I'm not surprised it's happening. Um, great show, Dave. Does the NCAA need to have a bake sale and hoagie sale to raise the funds that make sure Whitman and Whitmerth don't meet in the sectional rounds? I'll take six Italian hoagies. Understand, Division Three had a thirty-plus million dollar budget for this year, maybe thirty-one million dollar budget. Seventy-five percent of that budget goes to championships. The three biggest money hogs of the championships are football, basketball, and I believe baseball. They're getting their just due, and we got extra flights this year. But it would have taken even more flights to pull off what we're asking. We can raise all the money we want. We still work inside a budget. And they still are working inside those. We have seen this for years. It's nothing new. Everyone points to the top 25 rankings. Remember, that's a mute point. The top 25 rankings mean absolutely nothing to the national committees. Nothing. We would love to have it mean something. But in no division, in any sport in the entire NCAA, do top 25 rankings matter diddly. So the fact that it's 1v4 in that upper corner, and the fact that the top five are all in the same sectional, is unfortunate. Maybe slightly avoidable in some ways. I haven't been able to break down the bracket that detailed. But more importantly, it's Division Three. Again, I'm a proponent of trying to find better ways to do it. I'm not a proponent of just trying to make it up and, and just force things that we know aren't going to happen. Um, how much does the committee try to avoid putting teams in the same pod that have already played during the regular season? If it's conference, there's a rule about it. 
if it's non-conference, they'll try, but it's let's be honest, it's not exactly avoidable. Um, we do have um, Staten Island taking on Cabrini in the first weekend, in the first game. That's a rematch from a couple of weeks ago. I think that's because Staten Island's 16 and 12, um, and maybe the committee didn't feel they had any other choices. Staten Island wasn't exactly expected to be there. Um, but we're going to get rematches because here's the other thing. Is we now see more and more teams playing each other, especially outside of region, and it just becomes impossible. But as far as what they try and do, we at least try and avoid conference opponents in the opening weekend. We try and avoid them at all costs in the second weekend. It's not, on, it's not one that can be completely unavoidable. It's going to happen. And... The rest of it is is what it is. Remember, some teams have to win games for those matchups to take place. Um, let's see. Brian had a question. Nope, we already answered that one. Just saw it. Um, I'm trying to make sure we didn't get another one on our YouTube page. We did. Daryl says, deja vu. I shouldn't have been surprised. Almost fell out of the house. I'm roofing today when I saw the men's bracket. A tough opening weekend for Whitworth. The only thing I'm disappointed about in that weekend the only thing I'm actually disappointed about is Claremont Mudscripts playing Whitworth again in the first round in back-to-back -back years. I think you could have made an argument for Whitman to play that game. Now they didn't move Whitman ahead of Whit or they didn't move Whitworth ahead of Whitman in the rankings, and I'm fine with that. It's based on one win. But I think you could have made an argument that Whitman gets the Skyac winner this year. And Whitworth gets Shriner. Um, it actually would have faced off two AQs not playing each other. You do have two AQs in Whitworth and CMS playing each other this time. I wouldn't have minded not seeing Whitworth play Claremont Mud Scripps a second time, you know, second time in a year, and both in the first round of the of the tournament. That's the only caveat I have about that weekend. I think that could have been done better, if that makes any sense. Uh, by the way, on the women's side, there are some brutal brackets. Absolutely brutal brackets, um, if you want to take a look at them. Uh, DePaul and Trine are playing in the first round, which is insane for me. Who wins, Gustavus Adolphus or Rose Holman? To be honest with you, I like Rose Holman. If no one's been paying attention to Rose Holman, I really like Rose Holman. It's nothing against Gustavus Adolphus, who I also think has had a pretty good season and work their way in by getting to the conference championship game. I think Gustavus Adolphus is in bigger trouble if they had lost in the semis. That said, Rose Holman, go look at their resume. They have, they've owned their conference, and they had an incredible four-game stretch where, yes, they lost three of those games, but look at the scores. Look at the opponents. I like Rose Holman. At least Whitworth knows their opponent well. You're right, Daryl. <laughs> they most certainly, certainly do. Uh, so, again, interact with us. Let us know what your thoughts are. Uh, we'll try and do our best to get you our thoughts as well. And, again, we'll have the men's committee chair coming up a little bit later in the show. Again, the men's rankings are out. Women's, we don't believe, have hit the system yet. We'll keep an eye out for that. We're also checking for emails to see if anybody else has emailed us with questions. Not going to be a very long bracket show today um, just because we're flat-out exhausted and it's been a lot of work. Um, but we will hear from the men's committee chair. We may do a separate podcast with the women's committee chair after the fact, not save it for Thursday so it's not too dated. Uh, Ryan Scott will join us in a little bit. We'll also talk to him about his thoughts on things. Um, 
So, yeah. Uh, I'm guessing neither Oshkosh or Eau Claire got to the table. Do you know who the higher regionally ranked? Uh, this was on men's side in the West or in the Central. <laughs> in the Central. Um, Eau Claire ended up staying ahead of Oshkosh, believe it or not. Um, we could debate that one around and around. I felt Oshkosh was a better team than Eau Claire in the rankings. But Eau Claire did. And Eau Claire did get to the table. No, did not because Wheaton didn't come off the table. So, right, Wheaton ended up blocking there. Um, Wheaton ended up fifth in the regional rankings. Uh, Wash U got – oh, I'm looking at women. Hold on, folks. Hold the horses. So Oshkosh ended up fifth. They did get out of – Eau Claire ended up not ranked. And Oshkosh did get picked, Mark. Um, Oshkosh is in the tournament. Are you talking women's side? Mark, let me know. Are you talking women or men? But um, Oshkosh men got in because so did North Central and Illinois Wesleyan. River Falls got ranked eighth in the men's rankings, as we predicted. They just didn't get in. Uh, Eau Claire wasn't in the conversation. If we're talking women, I don't know their regional rankings as of yet. I need to look that up. Um, I got another question. I want to see where it is. Thought I saw it. Where did it go on me? And we'll we'll try and find it maybe another way. Um, let's see here. I know there's a question. I'm trying. There it is. I had a I had a jury rig the my website here to or my website systems. Uh, so in the region with Randolph, Macon, Whitewater, and and Thomas Moore hosting, is there any hope would likely host? If they all win, hope would likely host. Um, oh, Aaron, I'm not sure. Um, I got to look at some mileage. I think Thomas Moore would be the host because I think Randolph Macon can get to Thomas Moore. Um, if that was the case. Now, my mileage system didn't work earlier today. Let's see. See if I can at least get it to work today. Yep, it did. Oh, 517 miles, so Randolph-Macon can't get there. So Hope would be in the driver's seat for that. Yeah, Hope would be. How do you like St. John's chances? Well, I would like them better if they had won their conference tournament. I think it would have allowed them to have a better bracket. Um, that said, uh, it's not horrible. Uh, I'm just calling it up to make sure I have it in front of me. I don't have I don't have all these memorized when I had to do two bracket shows today. Um, hold on, I just got to find St. John's. Bear with me. Got to remember where the heck I, I have them in the bracket. There they are. So uh, watch out for Bethany Lutheran. I, I think you can't sleep on a UMAC school. And then it's going to be Stevens Point or St. Uh, North Central. Um, I think St. John's has a very legitimate chance of coming out of the first weekend if they can stay within themselves. Uh, they got to get past Bethany Lutheran, and then the next opponent's not going to be easy. They're either going to have to be really good and get past a, a stingy Stevens Point defense um, or be on their toes to get past North Central. But I think they've got a chance to get out of that, and then a possible matchup with Whitman or Whitworth, barring no upsets, um, in the second weekend. St. John's is going to go through a battle to get to... Whoever comes out of that quadrant will have proven a lot to get to Salem. A lot. Um, I'll be very impressed with that quadrant and looking interested to see how it works out. I feel like Nichols might have been a bone to pick with the regional committee, leaving them off and making them the number four in the pod. Um, yeah, maybe, uh, I could argue, I, I could probably argue with you or, or agree with you there that Nichols maybe should have been regionally ranked. 
Um, Hammers, by the way, slid. If no one's on, no one realized a tenth behind Salem State. Um, you could maybe have put, made an argument that Nichols deserved to be regionally ranked. I know their SOS wasn't great, but I, I think you could make that argument. Um, I, I I know people are saying three and four in the pod. I want to. I, I I get a little nervous about that when we talk um, about Division three rankings. Um, I don't love that terminology. I know Ryan may use it later. I don't love it. Um, but I would, I can see the argument that maybe they should not, maybe New England College should have gone there and they stayed home. I, I'm not sure. We'll have to ask maybe the committee on what they thought of that, uh, especially since the chair is the Northeast Committee chair. Who finished higher in the Great Lakes region, Ohio Wesleyan or Ohio Northern? Uh, that answer was Ohio Northern was fifth, Ohio Wesleyan was sixth. <laughs> So the information we got was, by the way, somewhat inaccurate. Part of our information said Ohio Northern was a lock. I knew that wasn't going to be true. Um, but Ohio Wesleyan did stay behind Ohio Northern by one, which we did get an update on and what did turn out to be accurate. I was surprised Worcester fell to four and Marietta went up to three, to be honest with you. I thought Marietta would get hurt by that Ohio Northern loss and Worcester would stay at three. But it didn't matter because neither of them were going to host anyway. Uh, maybe it'll matter in the second weekend. I think the other one that's interesting is hosting-wise is Christopher Newport. They're the fourth in the Mid-Atlantic, and hosting Swarthmore is the third and not hosting. Um, I have a feeling they needed Christopher Newport to host for some reason. I don't know all the details, but I am surprised by that hosting decision. Uh, well, the women's pod at Illinois Wesleyan is toughest I've seen in recent memory. Thoughts on who comes out of that? I think that is one of two of the toughest pods on the women's side. I think there's multiples that we could certainly talk about. Um, I'm just double-checking where that is. There it is. So they'll take on Marietta and have DePaul and Trine. I definitely think that's hard. I think the Texas pod is also equally hard. Texas-Dallas versus Trinity-Texas and East Texas Baptist versus Whitman. And I don't love the St. Thomas pod. Um, I think Chicago's going to have a test with Wisconsin Lutheran. St. Thomas is going to take on Chapman and most likely – if if seeding holds, Chicago t- taking on St. Thomas in the second round is a brutal matchup as well. Uh, I don't love uh, that George Fox is taking on St. Benedict in the first round at the Wartburg squad. And then again, Wartburg's going to have to take one of those two on in the second round. Don't love that very, very much. Um, so there's a few there in that lower right-hand side that I cringed when I first saw that bracket, to be sure. Um, let's see if we've got other questions. If you got them, tweet us, etc. Dave, what do you think of Gusty's chances in the Whitewater pod? I know I'm biased because I'm a Mayak women's basketball guy and a big Gusty fan, but I think it could be setting up very well for the Gusties. Uh, again, yes, but I think Rose Holman's a better team than you realize. Uh, I think they're going to have their, their hands full with Rose Holman. Outside of that game, if you moved on, you have Whitewater and Superior, and Whitewater's proven to be a darn good team, though Superior could be sneaky good. I do like the winner of Rose Holman Gustavus maybe advancing out of the weekend, but I also think that is a wide open problem. Um, let's see. I thought I saw another question pop into the system. Said, uh, oh, there's a conversation going on. I'm not going to dive into that just yet. I can de- deal with that later. Um, men's river falls. What about it? Mark, Mike didn't make the tournament. Uh, um, 
Criteria wasn't good enough for him. If you look at their criteria for River Falls, um, I'm just quickly reminding myself since I don't remember. 18 and 9, which is a 667, or right at that Mendoza line. The Mendoza line used to be 700. It's now a little more securely 667. They were 3 and 7 against regionally ranked opponents. I don't see how River Falls, yes, a 590 SOS, but you, you only won two thirds of your games. Remember when Oshkosh got in last year? They won a lot more than two-thirds of their games, and that three and seven was a better-looking number. So I don't see River Falls. And River Falls would have gotten there. Um, River Falls would have gotten there pretty late, I think, to get into that conversation. So I'm not sure they would have got would have been a serious conversation whatsoever. Hey, I'm going to take a break because I do want to get Ryan's thoughts in here before we talk to Tim Fitzpatrick. Um, I think Ryan's available. I just realized I may not have my Skype up like I thought I did, so I need to see if maybe I'm, I caused an issue there. But we'll get um, Skype back up and running and see if we can get Ryan Scott in here. So we'll take a break. Uh, you're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. Actually, coming up at 4 o'clock, we'll talk to the um, head coach for Yeshiva, and then at 4.30, we'll talk to Tim Fitzpatrick. But that's all still ahead. You're watching Hoops Hope. Back after this. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. 
And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Bracket Monday special as we're breaking down, oh, the brackets from the Division Three men's and women's selection shows. I got to see the first time the bracket earlier than most of you, and it took me a while to figure it all out. I'm still trying to figure it all out. That's why I usually go to some friends of mine uh, to try and discuss it with me. Of course, one of those friends did a lot of the yeoman's work with me last night as well on it, and that was Ryan Scott is once again a little glitch with our system, and then finally it pops up. Um, oh, I actually wanted to use a different screen. Hold on. Well, we'll use this one until I fix it. Ryan Scott joining us on via the City of Salem Skype hotline, sir. Good to see you. Good to be here. Um, listen, we could break down a hundred of things. First and foremost, I said at the beginning of the show, I'm both ecstatic and maybe disheartened because I could argue this several ways, that we, uh, that we missed three on the men's side and two on the women's. But in hindsight, we only missed three on the men's side and only two on the women's. Yeah, I was convinced it was five for the men that we would miss. I, I was just really not sure. And in the end, it was really just we, we didn't have the regional rankings right. <clears throat> and yeah. if we had, we would have had a better chance of getting those. Yeah, and I went back and looked at, at – um, at, uh, who's the team out of the East? Um, Hobart and Brockport. Brockport. Uh, I went back yeah, and looked I, at Brockport and realized, oh, <laughs> there's a head-to-head win there. There's well, a better results versus regionally ranked opponents there. I didn't even notice that one. Well, what we had missed is Plattsburgh was in between. Hobart was one and Brockport was three. And so until Plattsburgh jumped them, the head-to-head didn't come into play. And I think if we'd paid a little closer attention, we probably could have figured that out. Yeah, I agree entirely. Um, And it's, again, some years we've been great at figuring out the regional rankings or gleaning them. This year we didn't. Uh, I'm going to have to go back to the drawing board and maybe cultivate a few new resources and sources to to get that in in the future. But... Needless to say, um, I, I am going to pat myself on the back. I said Springfield over Amherst. Uh, yeah, uh, what we learned is that 17 wins is not enough. Um, yeah. You know, it doesn't necessarily matter what the percentage is there. Yeah. I, I wonder, I don't know that I'm going to call Dave Hickson, but they only scheduled 24 <laughs> regular season games this year, and I'm wondering yeah. if he's regretting not playing that 25th one. One more win could have made a difference, especially if it was at a decent team with a give you a decent SOS bump. Not that their SOS needed it, but a regionally ranked nod could have helped them as well. The other one was Letourneau. For seeing the regional rankings the way they turned out, I'm a little surprised, ETB, you didn't get in front of them. But I'm really surprised by how far Macon fell because someone else was talking to me about Macon. Um, but I think if Letourneau had been there, and I don't remember where I stood on this one, to be honest with you. I think you guys swayed me. Um, Laterno actually had some decent numbers that maybe would have been a better fit nationally. Uh, they had the higher win total, which, as we found, was a little more influential this year yeah. um, than maybe last year. Uh, we live and we learn, right? And, of course, yeah. it could change again next year. So who knows? <laughs> Don't worry. We'll but, do it all uh, again next year and be all wrong about it, too, because they would have switched it back to something else. Who knows? <laughs> but, yeah, the 23 and 4 probably would have stuck out. And, again, that was another situation where, in those rankings, Emory and Henry popped in between them in ETBU. Um, so comparing those in the list that head to head wouldn't have been as important. Yeah, exactly. So a little interesting tidbits. And again, I think just based on the fact that we had different information and, and we, we also said that, um, by the way, I got a question. You can probably help me with this. I said, uh, (laughs) well, I'm going to, I'm going to say it gently, Joe. He said, Ohio Northern men and women got shafted by a bunch of idiots. Well, then we're part of that bunch of idiots too, because we didn't have Ohio Northern men in either, Joe. Our women won the league and went to the finals of the tournament. They had 23 wins, yes, but a poor SOS. The men went to the finals of their tournament. They finished second in the league. They had six losses. Their losses were three to St. John Carroll. That's a problem. Two against Marietta. That's a problem. And one against Wash U. Not helping you. 
All three of those were ranked all year. The problem is, and I, I'll get to the rest of this, but people are putting maybe too much stock in the losses there, Ryan. At some point, you need to win one of those games. Yeah, I mean, I think Ohio Northern had a pretty good resume. The problem was they had an injury to their best player who missed a couple of games late in the season. And they added a couple losses in there, and you just, you know, that's unfortunate. Injuries happen, and that was a really inopportune time to take a couple losses. Um, I think they're fortunate to get to the table. We talked about it last night. I've looked at it over and over and over again, and I can't figure out why they put ONU ahead of Ohio Wesleyan. So the fact that they even got there, I think, is a victory. Yeah. By the way, he says uh, your committee selection committee is better than D3 officiating. They need to start making D3 officials accountable to someone. Guess what, Joe? They do now have them accountable to someone. In the first year, we have a national committee or a national coordinator of officials who is putting them. But it, we can't turn this ship around on a dime. It's going to take a little while to get officiating maybe in a little bit better shape. But a lot of that is just, Owen, you know, a fan who's tight to the program who's upset. I get it. But, Owen, you put yourselves in this situation, unfortunately. You pointed out the losses. You As many as you talk about the losses to ranked teams, there's losses to non-ranked teams that hurt your win-loss percentage. Um, get those victories and those losses to ranked teams no longer matter. Yeah, I, if – even a team like River Falls, in a conference where they were four teams better than them, if they had just lost to the teams ahead of them, they would be in. It's the losses to those other teams that are below them, the losses you shouldn't be taking that keep you out. Right. Exactly the truth. Uh, Middlebury did the uh, two-week wait-and-sit thing. Uh, no surprise. We all kind of knew that was going to happen, but I did get a chuckle out of it. Um, but only four teams. Again, we didn't have NESCAC. Uh, we didn't have... Uh, a fit. We had a fifth NESCAC is what I'm trying to get at. There's a lot of things we could break down about this bracket. We'll continue throughout the show. But was there anything else just about the selections that jumped out at you? Um, no, I, I thought that this was entirely fair. Um, Brockport was a little surprising, but not enough that, that you would question it in any way. Um, like I said, we've talked off air that the only thing that uh, bothered me about that was having New England College and Nichols where they are. I think that those teams deserve to be swapped. Nichols is considerably better than New England College, and having to go to Plattsburgh and play Plattsburgh, um, I don't think it's fair for them, and it would have been for New England College. Um, but if that's all they messed up, you know, that's a pretty good year. <laughs> By the way, uh, we forgot. NESCAC's limited to 24 games. We forgot about that. Are they? Yeah, I was just going oh. through the NESCAC schedule. They're all limited. For some reason, I had forgotten about that too. I don't know. Well, another dumb idea in the NESCAC. But coaches um, meeting. Who's going to bring that one up? I bet yeah, Hicks exactly, does. exactly. <laughs> I am totally with you there. Um, on the women's side, um, not surprised uh, too much. Dartmouth kind of put themselves on that bubble. I am a little surprised Haverford got in. Um, I also know that's going to raise a lot of questions that are going to be hard to answer. Uh, yeah, but I don't think, again, it's not entirely unreasonable. I mean, it's, it's inconvenient because of who the committee chair is, but it's not like it's egregious. Um, you know, there's an argument to be made there. Um, and you know, there, have been worse selections. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. There have been worse selections. <laughs> Averford at least was at the table. Uh, I have no problems. I mean, I, I shouldn't say I. I have a problem with their selection. They were at the table. They were part of the discussion. Um, but it, but I, I was a little bit surprised. But we were correct in thinking that they would jump Muhlenberg in the regional rankings as well. 
Um, listen, the Whitman-Whitworth thing, we can't get away from. I talked about it earlier. It, it was going to take an extra flight to pull off. I know we could discuss whether Shriner could host uh, or even Sol Ross by that, by that standard because they could ship Shriner over to Sol Ross. Uh, I think in some ways this was a nod to Whitman um, of saying you deserve to host, and this is the best we can do about it, because otherwise I think the only logical solution to avoid that Northwest Conference kerfuffle was to ship them both out. Well, yeah, I mean, with the bracket we got. So I had a little easier with our mock last night because we didn't pick a third Texas team. So we were able to get Whitworth out with only four flights because we talk a lot about extra flight here extra flight there but in reality a flight is a flight so they did this bracket with four flights they could have gotten whitworth out with four flights if they hadn't put letourneau in but i mean you're not going to go to five that's that's extra you know maybe maybe they if it had been different and there were only two texas teams maybe they would have been able to get whitworth out because it still would have only been four but that messes things up and i agree even if schreiner uh did put into it to, to host. Um, they went for the extra flight to make sure Whitman got to host, which they deserve to do. Yeah, my only qualm up there is that Whitworth's taking on CMS again. I wouldn't have minded, to be blunt, CMS playing Whitman well, and you, Whitworth you playing sent, Shriner. You could have sent Letourneau up there to play Whitworth and Fair. send CMS to Atlanta. I mean, that's the easier solution if you want to do that. Right? I don't think they want to send CMS all the way over to Atlanta. I know they don't want to, but I mean, if you really didn't want that matchup, um, yeah. there's there's another team that they flew already that they could have put there. Yeah, so. that's a fair point. That's certainly a fair <laughs> point. No, I won't disagree with that. Or they could have sent Sauron. Yeah, I mean, there's ways to do it. I just think the easy one, if you keep that pod, is just to swap those two opponents. I, um, I'm not but sure also that... because it's AQ versus at-large in both games. Yeah, I'm just not sure that's a fair... CMS is good. And people they know are. they're good, and I just don't know that that would have been fair for the host to get that that game in the first round. Fair. Besides, I bet Whitworth is really excited to get a rematch. <laughs> yeah, well, Whitworth would like to exact some revenge, that's for sure, but Michael Scarlett would like to also prove that that wasn't a fluke. Um, that should be a good weekend, to be sure, out yeah. there in Whitman. Um, I think I was just going to say, the only other the only other question I have, and I'm sure you'll talk to, to the committee chair about that, was the Christopher Newport hosting that was yeah. a little bit of a surprise. Once we saw the regional rankings and saw that Swarthmore was ahead of them, I did talk to, to Swarthmore, and they, they were set to host if if they were granted that opportunity. And I don't see a geographic reason to do that. It would be very simple to make Swarthmore the host. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd only have to move three teams around to do that. So you have to ask Tim what they were thinking about when they got there. Yep, we'll definitely ask him that. The other one is maybe with our interview with Yeshiva or with Tim, we'll find out what the Yeshiva plan is. Don't want to ever predict that they're going to be in the second round. Um, but at the same time, <laughs> you know, uh, we got to prepare for it. So I think Yeshiva, I, they're going to be playing a host no matter where they were, just by virtue of the Absolutely. conference they're in and the yep. record they have. Yep. They probably could not have gotten a better matchup. You know, you, you mentioned know? that. And I thought to myself, you're right. You're right. York, York doesn't have a lot of a bench, and Yeshiva's got some size and mm-hmm. some length. Um you know, like it's going to be an uphill battle no matter where they go, but I think they, they couldn't have picked a better one. You're probably right. Yeah. Um, by the way, I saw this one as I was doing the bracket show and I did the math. They played 14 games in the last month and lost only two of those games. Yep. Shiva's playing well, and that's a loaded sophomore group. Well, and I wonder, you'll have to ask him if that's a change because if I remember no. correctly, the previous years they played a bunch 
before the break and not as many afterwards. That's true. And they always seem to taper off at the end. And I wonder if this switch has helped them to kind of stay in rhythm towards the end of the season. Yeah, I was going to say the break is always there. I don't, yeah, we'll right. have to ask them. I mean, technically they played half the schedule before and half the schedule after, but we'll have to but see. They used it. to front load it even more, I thought. Yeah, I think you're right. We'll have to ask Elliot when he comes on the show. Um, how did Brockport jump Hobart? Mike, we pretty much figured that out, that uh, the head-to-head win when they got side-by-side -side with each other plus a 3-3 three and three versus a 1-3 and three results versus regionally ranked uh, gave Brockport a better resume despite the two wins for Hobart. Hobart's SOS it. killed them. That's an issue of those teams were not compared together until Plattsburgh was no longer between them. Right. So they probably, Brockport would have been ahead earlier in the year if they had ever been compared to each other, but Plattsburgh was always in the middle. Right. And the other problem there is Hobart wasn't doing itself any favors with its SOS. Right. If they had a better SOS, it's a mute point, I think. Because then they would have had the SOS conversation and the win-loss conversation, and I think that would have trumped that head-to-head. -head. But because of the two-win difference in, in the win-loss. But because they didn't have the SOS conversation, it made the win-loss almost equal, uh, though their SOS numbers were kind of close together, if memory serves. So I think that head-to-head -head came to be a little bit more. How does Stevens Point be in the quadrant that has all five of the top five teams in a D3 poll? Well, as someone else said on there, Paul, because the top, tw top 25 doesn't matter. And Stevens Point, they, they shouldn't be protected. It's not like they have a tremendous resume. They played very well in the WIAC, and they won the WIAC AQ, but it, they also have a ton of losses. So they're a middle-of-the-road um, team. And that's geography. I mean, even oh, on our absolutely. mock bracket, that I do, I do as much as I possibly can to mix those up. But even in the mock bracket, I had them going to Wash U the first weekend and in the same quadrant as St. John's and Augustana. So it's, you know, it is what it is. Exactly. Hey, uh, we're going to talk to uh, um, Ryan a little bit later. I'll see if we'll get the Yeshiva interview in. If we have time before we talk to Tim, we'll talk to Ryan one more time. And then after Tim, we have, t uh, we have Ryan come back and break it down from his point of view. How's that sound for you, sir? Sounds pretty good. Awesome. Uh, we'll, so we'll take a break. When we come back, Yeshiva's men's basketball coach, Elliot, uh, I always forget Elliot's last name, Steinmetz, will join us to talk about his squad, and their first ever trip to the NCAA tournament, and how that's screwing up everybody's schedule. You listen to Hoops, Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops will after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports. 
and what we can still love about college sports. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, here from the WBCA NABC studios. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, breaking down the brackets to some degree. Here on this Monday, the brackets have been announced and they're out and about. And we are looking at what we think may or may not be winners and challenges and the like. Of course, one of the teams that was very popular in the conversation, not only uh, this uh, today, but this weekend, last night, etc., was Yeshiva making their first ever trip to the NCAA tournament. Congratulations to them, winning winners of the Skyline Conference. But the more important question is, well, what do we do? If you're not aware, Yeshiva has some uh, limitations, just as you might be familiar with in the past, Messiah, Hope, and Calvin, but most especially the Wheatons of the world. It's just it's a different point of view than the Christian side. This is the Jewish side. Join us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. It's the head coach of Yeshiva. It's Elliot Steinmetz. And, Coach, thanks for taking the time. Hey, Dave. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. First and foremost, congratulations. You guys played 14 games in the last month. You only lost two of those. You knocked off the top teams in this conference multiple times during this run. You guys really put your foot down, despite the fact you also got banged up during this during this stretch. Yeah, there's no doubt. We, we, had, a, we had a tough season with injuries. I think we've got something like three guys who are starting at certain points in the season that are out for the season. Uh, we've just kind of been filling in as best we can, and I got a lot of young kids with a lot of heart. Yeah, a lot of heart, to be sure. Of course, you take that long break, and we had you on the show a couple years ago when you guys had a great start, and we talked about how that break can disrupt things. Ryan was noticing something just before the segment. Did you guys used to really front-load your schedule so it wouldn't be as brutal on the backside? It doesn't feel like you loaded the front up as much as you did in the past. Yeah, it's hard to, you know, a lot of it really depends on the Jewish holiday schedule and where things fall out and when we can start. You know, we had a couple of years ago, I think it was either last year or the year before, where we even had to petition the NCAA just for a little bit of uh, a head start on practices because we lost two weeks of school being closed for the Jewish holidays. So a lot of it really just depends on when the holidays fall out in October and, and November, and, and then uh, obviously our winter break is, uh, is a different break. Well, the other thing is usually you come back from that break, you guys may be okay, but you kind of tail off. That, that, that long break can kind of disrupt the, the sequencing or, the, or the, 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 you know, the routines you're in. How did you guys combat it this year? You did really well. Yeah, you know, we, we, we came back. We, we had our guys come back a little bit early, and, uh, and you know, we started practicing, so we got, we got a good five or six practices in before our first game. We actually dropped our first game back from break, and then I think we won about eight in a row. Uh, before losing a double overtime game at, at Farmingdale, um, you know, we, 
you never know from year to year how guys react to that kind of a thing. I think the fact that we were so banged up, the, the last six or seven games before break, we were playing with seven guys. Awesome. Um, you know, so we, we were really just banged up and tired. And I think, I think the, break, the break in that way was actually just a blessing for us, for guys to be able to kind of get healthy. All of a sudden, we come back in the gym, and we had 13 guys at practice, and it was a very, very different look. <laughs> yeah, of the 10 losses, only two of them happened in the second half of the season. The others all took place in that first half. It, it, you literally talk about a tale of two different halves of the season. Um, but you, of course, win it on the AQ. You go to the Skyline Conference and get the job done. Uh, with wins over Farmingdale State in overtime, who you'd mentioned you'd lost in double overtime shortly before that, and then a win over Purchase on Sunday uh, to to earn that bid. You guys almost feel like you're you're you know, not playing with house money necessarily, but you could do no wrong here. You're already you're already on top of the of the cloud, as it were. So I, I remember when we spoke about three years ago, and, and he asked me what my goals were here, and, and, and I, and I kind of told you matter-of-factly my, my goals are to win a national championship, yes. and I think you were a little taken aback by it. Um, you know, the, the, the first goal was to win the conference, and, and, you know, yeah, we're young, and we have a bunch of sophomores, and, and you know, but, you know, our goals are still the same, and, you know, while, while a lot of people might look at it as house money, we, we want to keep winning games, and, and we recognize what's in front of us. We, we're very well aware of our opponent and, and what they've done this year, and, uh, you know, we're going to work hard and play hard and try to compete as best we can. Uh, with a story like yours, there's one thing that certainly comes with it. We're not the only media outlet looking for you. Um, and, I would, and I'm not saying this egotistically, but normally we are the only media outlet talking to some schools about their accomplishments. You guys have gotten some worldwide attention for this. To some degree, there's an entire religion hanging on every game now. It's it's been amazing. You see you see what the crowds look like at our games recently. It's just been it's been an awesome experience. You have uh, you know Hebrew songs being sung in the in the crowd and just people from all over the world emailing and and calling and texting. Uh, you know it's, it's hard to get any real work done. <laughs> well, you keep volunteering and saying yes, coach. Um, so you get to go to the to York for your first round matchup, uh, which is exciting in itself. We haven't gotten an answer from the NCAA. We may, we may not. We don't know if it's even been worked out yet. But we should talk about the fact there's some limitations that need to go into place here. You guys are technically not allowed to do anything, and I do mean anything, from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday, including travel, including anything else. I know the Skyline moved the championship for you guys to Sunday to, to accommodate, which is you know, obviously within the norms. But as, And I know the NCAA has talked with you guys and the conference and whatnot on how we make this work. What has those discussions revealed, and do we have an answer as of yet? So I'm, I'm waiting to hear what the final decisions are from my ID, but they, they will accommodate. Oh, There's absolutely. There. Yes. Um, I, I'm pretty sure we'll end up playing Friday afternoon, and probably you know if, if we're, if we're uh, successful and somehow advanced, then we would, I believe, play Saturday night. So that's the question. I, I didn't know if it would be a Friday afternoon, which I suspected as well, and a Saturday night or a Sunday afternoon. You can't even practice if I'm if I understand what you've told me in the past well enough. If you can't travel, I can't imagine you can't practice either. Would Saturday night be beneficial, or to be fair, to give you practice time? Wouldn't Sunday work better? It, it, Sunday would be better, you know, and uh, we, basically from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday, we would not be able to practice or travel. Uh, pretty much all we'd be able to do is uh, eat and pray. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, it's uh, not a lot of basketball will get done that no. day. Um, you know, but again, it is what it is, and this is kind of what we, we, deal, with, you know, what we deal with on a, on a, 
off-season basis. Right. You know, we, we have Saturday night games throughout the season that are right. after sundown, and that generally means that we don't have a shoot-around that day. It generally means we didn't have a practice the night before, mm. uh, and it's just kind of how we go. Granted, those tend to be at home. Your away games, you tend to play differently, right? We've had some away games on Saturday night okay. as well. Okay. Um, does that also include you scouting and, and looking at tape and anything like that? It does. Yeah, wow. it, it means that. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it means that we are going to have to prepare uh, basically three games ready to go uh, before we go Friday. So you want to win a national championship? You said. I'd love to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you, little tongue in cheek. I, little tongue in cheek. Would I be? I hundred percent. But would I be here talking to you if I nope. had that goal? <laughs> I know that. I know that, sir. So that's fascinating. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing what the answer is. It's not a make or break right now. We, we all figured probably you would be playing Friday afternoon. Um, right. which doesn't really screw up the schedule too much either for anybody's circumstances, except that York probably is bumming that they don't get a night home game to start their tournament play. But that's that's minor little details in the grand scheme of things. You guys are in the NCAA tournament, Elliot, uh, with a team that is loaded mainly with very young players. I hate to be looking ahead, but I like doing that every once in a while. This bodes really well for the future. It does. And, uh, you know, people are asking me if I was surprised that this group has, uh, you know, won the Skyline and gone to the NCAA tournament. And, and the answer is no, I'm not surprised about this group. I'm, maybe I'm surprised that they did it as sophomores. Uh, you know, we're, we're basically starting five sophomores and, you know, a couple of guys off the bench are sophomores and juniors, pretty much all underclassmen. I, I think we have one senior who's, who's getting a legitimate amount of playing time. Um, so yeah, it, it, you know, it does bode well for the future, but, uh, you never know. Everybody, everybody seems to load up every year. I'm a little worried about one of your sophomores. Uh, his name's Daniel Katz. And he's yeah. out of Baltimore. Uh, I, I know a relative of his. I, you sure uh, the things are okay with Daniel or, or okay with, with his relative? You're not being harassed too much, are you, sir? <laughs> no, no. Co- coach, coach and I get along great. Okay, good. He's, he's going to message me at any point. Any point I'm in sure time, he will. he's going to message sure, me. I'm sure he'll be thrilled that you mentioned him. Yeah, well, thrilled, and then like, what are you doing to me, Dave? Um, <laughs> that, that's a cool thing. You do have a wide selection of players that come from around the world, really, and you've got one from Israel. You have, obviously, uh, players from around the country. Um, yep. Would you have liked to have gone – this is going to be a little bit of a weird question, Elliot, but would you have liked sure. to have gone to where there's a – uh, technically a, a Jewish community. Like, I could have seen you going to Cabrini in the Philadelphia area or Hopkins in the Baltimore area or maybe up into the Boston area where that community could maybe rally. Now, York isn't that far from ba- Baltimore. They can easily travel up I-83. But that could have been a neat little unique opportunity for you guys. Yeah, there's no doubt when we were sitting and watching the show earlier, we were kind of hoping for, you know, you know, for no basketball reason at all, hoping for Hopkins or Cabrini, you know, just to kind of be in a, in a Jewish community for the Sabbath. Yeah. Um, but like you said, yeah, the Baltimore community is close. I believe Philly's not that far either. No, it's um, not too bad. And I think there's, I believe there's a Jewish community in Harrisburg even, Pennsylvania. Uh, it probably is, you're so, right. So it's, uh, you know, again, we'll, we'll, we'll make do at the hotel and, and, and figure our stuff out on the religious side. And, you know, that's something that the, uh, the university will help out with a tremendous sure. amount. Um, but yeah, you know, there's no, there's no doubt we were we were kind of hoping for that. But we're happy to be playing. What's the craziest uh, reaction you've gotten, or maybe uh, most out of this world uh, message you've received per the win on the skyline? <laughs> I think it's just the the overwhelming amount of 
people that are emailing from almost like past life. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I got emails from like high school basketball teammates of mine from, you know, back in the late 90s who I haven't spoken to in 20 years that were watching the game. They, a couple of them live in Israel and they were getting together to watch the game, on, mm-hmm. you know, on the Internet. So it's just, it's just been overwhelming, and it's, it's been a cool thing. Well, I can tell you this much. York does a really good job of web streaming. I will call their SID to warn them that they might need some extra server space yeah, um, good, yeah. for that game coming up <laughs> uh, on Friday. Uh, again, you guys have played really well. You knocked off some of the top teams in this conference. Um, I know you've been building for this for a while. What was your first reaction when you guys finally cut down the nets? Uh, the first reaction, honestly, was was uh, to turn to one of the uh, conference uh, one of the conference people and, and say, "Hey, we we need a little bit of a tutorial here on how to cut down nets. We've never done it." Um, but you know, we, we have some smart kids over there at Yeshiva, and they figured it out pretty fast. Uh, it's just it's very surreal. You kind of just you know, you, you're you're in a moment, and you kind of just you can't believe that it happened, and something that you're working towards, and something that you kind of dreamed of, and, and then and then it's there. It's just a very very awesome and moving experience. Well, congratulations. Uh, I do remember you saying you wanted to win a national championship. I'm just glad we got the first one under the way, and that was the Skyline Championship. Yeah, Maybe that it took definitely you, comes first. Yeah, might have taken you a little longer than you planned, but I'm thrilled that you got the opportunity. Look forward to seeing how you guys do against York. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Just thank you for the opportunity, and it's always great to be uh, involved on your show and just be, you know, we're, we're happy to be in the national picture, and, uh, and we hope to stay there for a while. So thank you for having us. Absolutely. Congratulations yet again enjoy the trip i'm just down the road i don't know though whether i'll be buried in this studio or able to to get out and see your game if i'm there i will make sure to say hi and uh, in the meantime take care and and thanks for taking the time out of your day today Uh, thanks they appreciate it absolutely elliot steinmetz joining us on the city of salem hoopsville hotline they are at york in york pennsylvania if you're not familiar it's just north of baltimore and south of harrisburg about equal distant uh, York, pretty good squad. Good game there. It'll be a Friday afternoon game, it appears, and probably if they win a Saturday night game. But, hey, they've got to win first, right? Uh, a lot to get figured out. We'll get official word when we need to, et cetera, et cetera. We'll take another break. When we come back, Ryan comes back for a couple minutes before we get Tim Fitzpatrick on the line to talk about the men's committee decisions. You've been listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More of this bracket special when we return. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Dot com.
Poetry allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division three in athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How it wouldn't change it for the world. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we roll, roll along here, we got about 10 minutes until we're expected to talk to the committee chair for the men's side, and that is um, Tim Fitzpatrick from Coast Guard. We'll be talking to him shortly. But in the meantime, Ryan Scott joins me back again on the City of Salem Hoopsville hotline. And, Ryan, thanks again for taking the time, sir. Oh, glad to do it. It's uh, a great day. Oh, yeah. This is the fun part. So we just talked to Yeshiva. A couple things people asked. Uh, if they lose on Friday afternoon, do they have to stick around until after sundown on Saturday to be able to travel home, or can they leave after the game, even if it probably has them on the road after sundown Friday? The answer to that, Jay, is no. They cannot travel after sundown. So uh, if they were to lose, they are most likely parked in York until Sunday afternoon or they could leave Saturday night potentially, but that's a that's a late return home Saturday night. I'm not sure if they'll do it or not. Um, and it sounds like they'll be playing Friday afternoon. I suspect maybe a one or two o'clock tip. Sunset in this area is about five thirty. Um, so it depends on if they need to get some dinner and stuff like that before the sun goes down. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a one or two o'clock tip. Um, so we'll see. It, it should be a it should be fascinating for Yeshiva, and I, I, I wish them luck. Um, by the way, we'll have a story about them on d3hoops.com coming up. Not Ryan. Ryan lost the opportunity to write about Yeshiva. Uh, somebody else will write about him. Ryan, one of the things I got asked about was Plattsburgh. How do you feel about him? I personally really like Plattsburgh. I think they got a dangerous set of talent there, though they've got a heck of a first-round matchup. Well, right. That's the little tease for the tourney preview that I turned in not too long ago. But <laughs> if you had asked me before we had a bracket what two teams I thought could come out of New England, I think Plattsburgh and Nichols are playing about as good as anybody, uh, you know, Nescak or whoever else included, and we're getting them in the first round. So I do think Plattsburgh being at home will be helpful. Um, they've been on quite a run. They can score with Nichols, which is important. Both teams are in the top 20 scoring average in the country, um, and uh, I, I think they'll come out of it. But that, that's going to be my game that I'm circling. I, you know, yeah. even if we, whatever else we're doing on Friday night, I'm watching all of that one. I don't blame you. Yeah, we haven't decided yet if we're bringing the whip around back or not. Uh, we'll we'll find out sooner or later, but um, uh, mainly because we maybe need it in other locations. But we'll cross that bridge a little bit later. But yeah, no, that game when I saw it on the on the bracket, I went, oh, you know, both I'm thrilled for Plattsburgh because they're hosting. I think that's a great opportunity for them. But then I thought to myself, oh my lord, um, both those teams could win that game. Um, I love the X's and O's of it with Nichols. You had made the argument, and, and I kind of see what you're saying, but I think Nichols not being regionally ranked hurt him here, but Nichols being in that game probably isn't the best matchup we would have loved. New England College might have been a better fit. 
Well, and they're right next to each other on the bracket there. Yeah, like, it's are. not that I've, and I know, you know, you've got the whole committee working and they're probably in a time crunch to make sure they get everything done right. And that's one that can slip by. And I'm, I'm hopeful that Tim will just as he did last year. And when also with Nichols, they got kind of in the wrong pod that they'll uh, be willing to talk about that. So, yeah, um, we'll see what he says when he comes on in a couple of minutes. One of the teams I wanted to talk to you about was Lebanon Valley. Um, yeah, I, I was blown away for as much as I've known that program. This is their first conference title since 95. Um, I can't remember the last time they were in the NCAA tournament. We've only talked to them about a handful of times. I forgot McAllister wasn't even the head coach back then when they won their last conference title. Of course, 95 was a year after they won the national title. They got upset in 95 in the first round by, oh, I don't know, some school I really know well. Um, but it's really funny to me that, they're, that, that they haven't been at more successful, but this was what I've been waiting for. I was waiting for them to kind of break through and get into the tournament. And man, they they earned their way in here. What do you? How do you think they're going to do this this tournament? Well, I would have been really high on them, and uh, except for the matchup they got. Yeah, Middlebury's um, tough. Well, and the thing is, they've got two almost two thousand point scorers there at Levell. You know, Sam right. Light's already over. Andy Orr is is pretty close. Yep. Um, Sam's a guard. Andy Orr is a post player. Problem is, he's not the biggest guy. He's tall, and he's long, and he's really skilled, but he's not the biggest guy in the world. And Middlebury has a bunch of big guys, and I think it's going to be a little tough for him in that matchup. I think many other teams they would match up really well against, but that one's going to be a difficult one. When My only thought is, Middlebury dropped the last three and have been sitting for two weeks. Last right. time they sat, Christmas holiday, didn't go so well. Exactly. And that's where there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel for Lev Bell because we don't know what kind of shape Middlebury's going to be in. You know, they haven't played in a while. Um, they've shown, you know, a couple of times where they lost a little focus this year. Uh, so it's certainly possible, but it's going to definitely be an uphill battle for Lev Bell. Yeah. Um, but I'm loving that they're in there, to be honest with you. I kind of enjoying it, uh, chuckling a little bit for myself. Um, well, and those two guys, if you haven't seen those guys play, tune in for a little bit of that Middlebury game. I mean, Agreed. Light and Orr are just really super talented guys. It was a little bit of inconsistency this year. I think, you know, they, they would have been much higher up in the rankings. Um, the committee has given New Jersey or given the NJAC teams a chance to win the first round, but they have made it difficult to get out of the first weekend. Ramapo is going to take on Moravian. I don't think that's an easy game in any way, shape, or form, but they're at Williams. They'd have to upset Williams to get out of it. Um, yes, I understand Williams has to play Bridgewater State, assuming chalk. Um, yeah. And on the other side of it, New Jersey City will play Union. If Jersey City's as good as they are, they'll get out of that. But then, remember that game we were just talking about, Plattsburgh versus Nichols? That's on the yeah. other side of that pod. I, you know, Ira's going to kill us, but I, of I, don't course think he is. You, I don't think NJCU can score with either of those other two teams. Um, you know, Sam Tony is great. He's yes. a fantastic player and he can score, but as a team, I just don't know that they can keep up. Now, maybe the defense will help, but both of those teams, Nichols and Plattsburgh just have so many weapons to shut down. Um, it just, it's not a great matchup for them. I think Ramapo's got the better one, really. I mean, Williams is solid and they're strong and I don't think they're going to lose, but they're not like a world beating kind of team. True. They definitely have vulnerabilities and I think games will be kept close. Um, I think Ramapo's got the better chance, although I'm not sure either one's getting out of the weekend. No, I, I agree. Um, it's I, I feel bad to some degree, but at the same time, I think Ramapo and New Jersey City kind of made their bed here, especially New Jersey City in the end. They could have been hosting. 
Um, interesting, Ramapo's the number two seed, in, or not seed, apologize, two in the regional rankings, not hosting. We had said if there was one place you could pull a host, it's out of the Atlantic, and they did that. Well, uh, also the East. Um, that was the first place you pulled the host from. That's yeah, true. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Ramapo would be the second one out. And uh, largely, uh, I mean, it was take your pick. Because whether it was Swarthmore or Christopher Newport, who they did pick, or Ramapo, you kind of need someone in that part of the country um, as an extra host. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that might be another question for Tim. If they just thought that the Mid-Atlantic teams were stronger than the Atlantic. That may just have been why they did it that way. Um, talking with Ryan Scott here as we get ready um, for the conversation we're going to have with Tim Fitzpatrick. Is there anything in particular, you, I'm sure you'll chime in off air with me, in particular, but is there anything in particular you are hoping to hear from Tim? Um, no, I mean, I would ask the question about Christopher Newport hosting, why they went that direction. Um, you know, Nichols and, and New England College, and then just the questions we had surrounding Shriner and, and how they, they decided to work that all out, whether it was really to prioritize Whitman hosting, which is what I think it is. Um, and then obviously, uh, yeah, those three are really the ones that I would, that I would uh, ask about. Um, and then there's minor ones. I don't know how much time you've got with him, but like putting Wittenberg and Marietta in the same pod, um, that's a potential second round matchup. That would be a rematch that happened at Wittenberg two months ago. Um, and then you mentioned the other one, the Cabrini Staten Island. That's one that would have been easy to fix too. And whether they were just running out of time, because this was not the easiest bracket I've ever put together. And, no. and that could be too. So a couple of those little things that maybe they just didn't have time to go over it as, as closely as they would have liked. Uh, yeah, I, I, the one thing I did notice was we were going to face some tough first round games anyway. I felt like Illinois Wesleyan kind of backdoored themselves into a tough game. Um, it's too bad North Central's game is going to take place the way it is. There's some matchups here that I wish, you know, could we have given a couple more hours to, to sush out, but that said, it's going to force a bad matchup somewhere else. Well, some of those, I think it's more because we think about name teams or power conference teams, but, uh, you know, sure. as good as Illinois Wesleyan has been, you know, they're, the they resume doesn't deserve a different spot than where they are in Agreed. terms of how the rankings and the numbers have gone. And I'd say the same for Oshkosh and the yeah. same for North Central. Um, no, I agree with you. I, I think absolutely. those are all pretty fair. And even when we did our mock, they weren't a whole lot different um, yeah. than what we've got here. No, I absolutely agree with you. Absolutely. Uh, and again, I think Illinois Wesleyan, you don't lose those two in the end. Uh, even split them, and you're not in this situation. They may treat you a little bit better because your resume speaks a little bit louder. Um, that said, you know, <laughs> that upper right-hand quadrant is a beast, the Whitman side of things. With Platteville on the bottom, you've got Washu in the middle and St. John's. That is a beast of a group. I wouldn't mind to swap and maybe one of that whole group out of there, but you got to start looking at travel stuff to see if you can even pull that off. And, and my quick initial reaction is, yeah, maybe not. I mean, they maybe could have swapped it with the Augustana grouping or the Wittenberg grouping, but I, either way, you're still creating a hell of a beast of a bracket. Yeah, I mean, those are going to be a little tougher over there. I, I didn't go through every last individual one. I think our mock bracket's a little more balanced, but you still have two quadrants that are stronger than the other two, and you're just never going to get away with that, at least this year with the geography we have. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to let you go, but thank you so much. Um, I'm going to uh, uh, get back to you, though, after we talk with Tim, because I'm sure I'd love to get your feedback, and we'll wrap up the show with you. But thanks for the time, as always, and we'll get back to you in a bit. 
All right. I'm looking forward to what Tim has to say. As do I. <laughs> Ryan Scott joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Skype hotline. Paul asked why would Stevens Point Quadrant have all five teams from the last D3Hoops.com poll. I get polls are not used, but where is the balance? Well, if you're talking about the poll and you're asking about balance, then we already can't have this conversation. If you understand the poll can't be used but use the poll as a reference, then we have a problem. If you look at those from criteria standpoints, Stevens points an average in the middle of the road team and others. We just discussed that. So we got to get the top 25 conversation out, removed. Uh, to quote a coach who tweeted or texted me a short time ago, it seems no one understands you can't that the top 25 has nothing to do with this. No, apparently no one understands that. We can take a break. When we come back, Tim Fitzpatrick from Coast Guard, the committee chair for um, the men's committee, will join us. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops will after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, then I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you primarily a student athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, 
It's more than that. A lot more. Sure, the game is important. But as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. You are watching this Bracket Breakdown special. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, and uh, coming to you for about another hour or so. Uh, we're not going to go too late today, but uh, we do want to get a couple things covered, and one of them happens to be the Men's Basketball Committee Chair. Uh, tradition on this show is we always talk to the committee chairs after a uh, the brackets are revealed here on this Monday. Tim is able to be joining us. Um, unfortunately, we will not be able to talk to the women's committee chair just due to scheduling issues. We will hopefully talk to her at some point in the very near future and get her answers on maybe a separate podcast if we can make it happen. Uh, if you got questions for us, we can certainly try and answer them, though we can't make any promises. As you can imagine, this is a little bit crazy, but we have uh, plenty of questions ourselves as well. But joining us uh, on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it is the head of the committee. It is Tim Fitzpatrick. And, sir, thank you for taking the time to join us. Absolutely, Dave. Good to be with you. It's been a busy, exciting, and fun day, to be sure. Yes. Uh, apologies on the graphic. Apparently, my sleep deprivations made you a Fitzgerald, not a Fitzpatrick. We will fix that as we speak. It's been uh, going on my whole life, Dave. <laughs> Fitz something, right? It's, exactly. Yeah. That's why it bugs the daylights out of me whenever I get someone's name wrong. Yeah, I'm with you there. Not so, a big deal. It's easily explainable given how tired we both are. I appreciate that. Um, how long did you guys work on it necessarily? Uh, I, well, that's a loaded question because we could, we could back up and say we've been working on this since January. How much this weekend did you guys work on everything? Well, I, I, can, give you some, I can give you some context just about last week, I think, which will sure. help. Um, you know, everybody has their regional call. Uh, you know, their rack right. call on Tuesday. And for me, that's the Northeast region. But really, that starts um, that starts on Monday, actually, the preparation, because I and many of the other 
many of the other national committee members forward information to their coaches, which is extracted from the NCAA data. You know, we, we realize the coaches are very busy, and we try to scale down for the rec members as much as we can to give them stuff that they put in, they can put in. And what many of us do is, you know, we ask for uh, a ballot from them, a regional ballot from them on Monday night. So I get out the our what we call our watch list sheet on Monday during the day, and then, um, or even sometimes Sunday, depending on when you finish it. Then Monday night by nine o'clock, they vote to me, their their top eleven. And then Monday morning early, our rack calls were at noon. Monday morning early, I would send back to them the results of their own voting, which helps to focus them on who they have where. For example, sometimes, um, you know, I'll just give you an example. Last week, Middlebury was a unanimous five in the Northeast. So when we got past one to four and we got to five, it was easy to say, okay, guys, you know, you all, you all have Middlebury's. Anybody have a, have a difference, have a change. And that really helps drive the rack calls, gets them done in an hour, because I don't, with coaches, I don't ever want them to stay on the phone more than an hour, particularly at this time of year. They got things they got to do. Mm. So then from there, each, each uh, national committee member has to prepare for the national call. They've got to, you know, take the comments and notes and results of the rack. The rack then votes, you know, right. into, the, into, the, into the national ranking system. And then, you know, we prepare, you prepare your presentation for uh, the, the national committee call. And George Barber is our, was our time cop this year on <laughs> the national committee call. Really? We know, we know that he plays fast. Yes. So, uh, we, we, which is why we matched him with Augustana. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well done, sir. Um, and George would hold us to time. And uh, it's really a neat little enterprise. You know, George is, George is uh, great man for college basketball but he yeah. really took, took his job in a committee very seriously like me he's the other four-year member mm-hmm. and george treats it like a baseball game you get your own walk-up music on the national call <laughs> that he that he plays for you but then we go through and we you know we flip some things and we change some things that the rack does and uh you know and then of course you know after the mock ranking then you, you know you go down the road so that takes you through wednesday uh this week we had an extra call on Thursday for 90 minutes, and it was to really dive in to get an idea, just to get a sense. You know, we've got these eight regions and everything's ranked, but we wanted to get a sense of just discussing among ourselves who maybe the top 20 to 25 teams in the country were, just just talking about it, you know, because obviously some of those teams were going to get AQs, and a lot of those teams you're talking about, you know, are ranked one, two, or three in their region. But you got so much going on with conference tournaments and things like that. This is a trick I picked up from Jeff Burns when he was the rack from Randolph Macon when he was the rack chair my first year. You know, you have this extra call, and it really helps to focus you when you get on the call on Sunday because you've got some idea of really you know, who's kind of hot at the beginning, uh, and it gives you an idea of who. You know, you can you, if you've got consensus on certain teams and they don't have an AQ, it gives you an idea of teams that you know as they come off the board that you can move into the field kind of quickly, and that that takes time off the back end. Uh, Friday, w- Friday, I had a brief call 
with Jim Haney and Alex Mortallaro about officiating assignments. Jim is the new supervisor of officials this year. The regional supervisors are making the assignments. Jim is approving them this year, which is new. That's that's what the procedure will be for first and second round and sectionals. So that was uh, a couple hours on Friday during the day. And then I did my Coast Guard job for a while. I drove to Boston to watch our um, swimming and diving teams in the NUMAC championship. I stayed over and watched them again Saturday morning. Then I drove to... Um, then I drove to Worcester, Mass. to watch our wrestlers. <laughs> <laughs> You're crazy, then, Tim. Then came home in time Saturday night for a call with uh, Alex Mortellaro and Sam Atkinson from the National Committee, who I had dubbed my bracket meister. Oh, I, and, get, to, I get to talk to Sam then. <laughs> and Sam has been Sam has been working on the bracket for about two weeks. Okay. And we talked about a very cursory potential version of the bracket on Saturday night for about for about 90 minutes, and went through and we're looking as best we could at, you know, who who played who this year, who played who last year, who played who, you know, I mean, all the niceties that you run into, and I'm yeah. sure we'll talk in a minute about how some of those become unavoidable. And then we cut it loose on Sunday morning. My rack, uh, my, I had my rack vote again. Saturday night, and then we sent the results out uh, in the morning on Sunday. Then we talked from 9 to 10. They voted. The National Committee got at it at about 11. We took a dinner break uh, at about 7.30 and then came back on at 9 o'clock to look at a bracket. Not pardon me, about, about 8 o'clock we went to. We got, back on, we got back at 9.30 to look at a bracket for the first time. And we went through it and put it to bed by about 11 o'clock and then talked again at 8.30 this morning to uh, debug it. And we actually made a couple flips this morning, a couple little changes, things that people noticed overnight that were common sense changes. Sure. So it's been a busy last week. I don't yeah. know. That's a, Let's just say it's a bunch of hours, but it's worth it. I mean, you know, to the student-athletes who get to participate, this is one of the highlight experiences of their lives. And it, may, it, may, it means an awful lot to this committee to get it right. Really does. Um, I, I'll Sam and I can talk over some barbecue about the bracket. I don't have any a ton of things, but there's some things that came up. There's also some selection things that were decided. Uh, I know you guys don't love comparison things, but if you don't mind, there's one that I'm that I think's interesting. Nichols never got to the regional rankings. You're from the East. They're playing Plattsburgh um, versus maybe getting a matchup with was it Swarthmore? Whoever New England New England's playing instead. How much was Nichols a, a challenge for you guys? Because it felt like it may have been a challenge for the Northeast to truly yeah, understand they were. their 20-3. Honestly, they were a challenge all year because they, you know, they're they're an outstanding team. Um, they kind of stubbed their toe around Christmas a little yeah. bit. They had some injuries that, that battled them, and then and then they took some. They you know, they they recovered nicely, but they took some lumps in the beginning of the conference schedule. That's a pretty good league. Yeah, uh, you know, as as evidenced by you know how the quality team that Endicott has been in the in in the past. Roger Williams had a good season this year. So did Gordon. And they were kind of those teams were kind of beating up on each other. And you know what what happens in the Northeast a lot that I think influence rankings is you know SOS is a very very big factor anyway. It's one of the five factors we look at. I think we have probably. And I mean, as you can imagine, I've been looking at a lot of numbers here the past week, but there's probably as big a disparity in SOS 
in the in the Northeast than there is in any other region in the country. When you get you know when you get to looking at it, you know you get uh, you know you get to the point where um, you know you have a, a conference champion in Williams. I think Williams' final SOS was six oh three, and you have a conference champion, an outstanding team in their own right in Nichols with their SOS is about five ten. Mm-hmm. You know it's a big 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 disparity and. It comes from, to me, it comes from when you look at how the NESCAC schedules and you look at how the GNAC schedules, for example, they're at complete opposite ends of the spectrum. Ten NESCAC games, 18 GNAC games. And that has an effect on the numbers. And you try to sort through that and you try to find common ground and make sense to them. Uh, you know, Nichols. Nichols is a high quality team. They've got a they've got a chance to show it. And when you're right, that's a very it's a very tough matchup to begin the tournament. But as I heard you say earlier on uh on your on the NCAA show, um there's a lot of parity in this bracket, so it was inevitable that you were gonna have some of those. Yeah. North uh Whitman, of course, the Northwest Conference conversation that we always have. Uh, you know, it seems unavoidable sometimes to get the Northwest teams out of each other's way. I don't know how how many options you guys looked at. Um, I know you're sending the Texas schools out, which is certainly uh, an interesting note because Shriner and Sol Ross are technically within that 500 miles of each other. But was it going to be one of those deals to get them out of each other's way? I, my gut feeling tells me you were probably going to have to then punt Whitman out of there, out of that area too, and lose a host. Is that could have gone down that way? What happened that you know that nobody can see is. You have four schools in Texas, and none of them were willing to host. Really? Right. So we had to. See, we, that's well, important. We, we literally, I mean, no, no knock to those teams because everybody's got their own Absolutely. situation. But, yeah, we didn't, um, we didn't have much of a choice there. Okay. Actually. And then, as I mentioned to you, you know, in the note that I sent you earlier today, we have made a conscious effort. Yeah, every – I told the committee at the beginning that I wanted us to come up with something that would kind of be our identity as a committee for the year. And a couple of the committee members, uh, including Sam and George Barber from Greenville, said, you know, we really ought to do what we can to try to nationalize the tournament. Because in a lot of respects, the NCAA Division III tournament becomes a regional tournament. Okay, so we, we looked at it and... You know, if you look at the bracket, one of the things that we're proud of, 10 of the 16 pods have three or more regions represented in them. You know, we really were able to use the mileage limits to spread things around. Uh, you know, we made, a, we made our mind up to use the flights effectively. That's why you've got Saul Ross going to, uh, you know, to play, yeah. in, to play in, in Wisconsin. Right. Uh, you've got Letourneau going to play in Atlanta. You got Schreiner going to Texas, and then also you got me going to the West Coast. And you got Claremont also from Lower in California going to the West Coast. Um, the average driving limit per team in this tournament is 257 miles, hmm. and and uh, that's with 44 teams driving. Misericordia going to Wittenberg is the longest; it's 495 miles. Shortest is Johnson and Wales, Eastern Connecticut, and that's 48. Only five drives are under 100 miles. And part of what we kind of figured out as a group or that we strove for was, I don't, I'm not sure that the athlete experience is as good 
if you don't if you don't get to go some distance. Sure, <laughs> I agree with play. you. Yeah, and and I and I you know I ran into it last year as a site rep. We had an outstanding uh, sectional last year with Tufts, Babson, Keene, and Christopher Newport, and. You know, we, we literally, we had to go to two sessions to accommodate the fans, but I remember talking to a couple of the Babson kids and saying, yeah, it's nice, but, boy, you know, it would be nice to be going somewhere, too, yeah, and playing, and I think that's part of it. And, you know, what I, you know, I don't think, I don't think, you know, anybody's going to look around a long run and say, geez, you know, we had to ride 400 miles, or I think they're going to say, geez, you know, we got to see another part of the country, and how cool is that? Um. Back to the Texas schools real quick. So did you guys have to reach out to ask them if anybody wanted to host, or did none of them file, or was it a combination of both? None of them filed. Okay. Uh, you know, we have we don't we generally don't reach out to people because there is such strong outreach to us. And that was the case again this year. You know, you get some places that throw their hat in the ring early yep. and then there's always a real rush at the end. Sure. To get it, you know, where people I think it's two things. I think people forget. Number one, I think yes. number two, people look around and say, oh, geez, we're better than we thought, or we're on a run at the end of the season, so we're going to apply. Yep. And then we sit down. And, of course, you know, when, and when you get right down to it, too, you want to reward, per, to, to me, with hosting, you want to reward performance. And when you look at, you know, particularly, you know, when you look at the schools that we pick to host, I think that's a clear reflection of that. Uh, a couple other quick questions on that. Um, Northwest, one last question up there. You have Whit Whitworth playing CMS for the second time in the first round uh, in, in a row. Was there any discussion of trying to avoid that game and maybe having CMS play Whitman? I know it's not better or necessarily any more ideal, um, but it seemed odd that those two teams were playing again two years in a row. Yeah, that was one of the things. I think you just got to accept in the long run that you're not going to have it perfect. Okay. <laughs> and that, and that's that's literally what we did. We looked at a number of alternatives, but we didn't feel that it was better than what we came up with originally. Okay. Uh, Christopher Newport's um, uh, hosting, we now see that they're fourth in the regional rankings. It skipped over Swarthmore for a hosting opportunity. We know we pulled one from the east. We pulled one from the the Atlantic region, but I think it caught a few of us off guard that Christopher Newport was hosting maybe over a Swarthmore. Yeah, in that case, we were looking really hard at how we could get teams to different places and do it, you know, in the most reasonable fashion. And uh, that's why we that's why we selected Christopher Newport to do that. Some economy of me of being able to move people uh, into the area the right way. We talked a lot about Swarthmore also. Uh, but like I said, in the end, you know, when you're looking at not the not the short circuit your question, but when you look around and you get a lot of alternatives, um, you know, at the end of the day, you just pick you just pick the one that you think is the best and meet and meet your goals most objectively, and that's what we did. Um, I know you talked that you guys knew there were going to be some rematches that you didn't feel like you could avoid. Staten Island Cabrini jumped out at me. Granted, both these next two teams have to win their first-round games. Wittenberg-Marietta could potentially be a second-round game. Yep. Um, what were your thoughts, especially on a Cabrini-Staten Island? Was that one of those scenarios where Staten Island you didn't really think was going to be there? Well, we never, we never allow ourselves to, to take those kind of leaps. Sure. It's, really, it's really, really easy, too. And you've got to be very careful you know, when, when you're looking at data and when you're making considerations. You know, for example... Uh, one of the things we heard about Middlebury along the way is, well, Middlebury's lost three games in a row and they haven't played in two weeks and things like that. Well, but, you know, your trend, unlike the D1 committee, your trend at the end of the season is not a factor you're allowed to look at. 
just like we're not allowed to look, it, it, it's not a factor. It's not anything you consider, just like we're not allowed to consider RPI either, even though the Division One committee is. So we have to constantly remind ourselves to refine our our data our data poll and our data analysis to what we have in front of us. And um, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, you do, you know, we 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 understand from the beginning that we're not going to be perfect, and yeah, you have to accept that and just do the best you can. And I think this committee did a real good job of that. The final thing in the upper uh, the right hand upper corner the. Bracket that's got Whitman, St. John's, Washu, and Platteville hosting. That's a bit of a beast. Let's uh, let's be honest. That one that one's got some juggernauts to it. Um, I know you guys probably flipped and flopped and moved things around as best as possible. Was there a thought with that lower left hand group with Wittenberg and August and, and Augustana and the like that maybe you could do a little bit more rearranging to not make it as brutal? Well, we did, and, and at the end of the day, you know, we settled into. That the top four teams were the W's, you know, Williams, Webb, <laughs> yeah. and Wesley, and Wittenberg. And the next four were Eastern Connecticut, Augustana, Washington, Washington, and York. And, um, you know, this is, this is a situation, too, where you get into how to get people from place to place. And can you stay within the mileage limits? Can you stay within the allotted flights? Things like that. And, um, you know, those... You're right. That is a, you know, I mean, they're all, they're four strong quadrants. There's no question about that. That one is, that one is very strong. Um, and even when you look at, you know, teams like, uh, you know, WashU, UAA doesn't have a tournament, but St. John's kind of stubbed their toe at the end a little bit. Um, just very strong. And, uh, you know, we felt like that was the best chemistry. That was the best mixture we could put forward. Um, I, I could keep asking you questions. You and I can talk forever. We've done that many a time off air. Um, if we feel like we got more questions, I may call you back for a podcast some other time. But I know you need to get on to other parts of Dave, your job. Dave, that would be great. I'd be happy to do that. You know, okay. so it's later in the week or whatever. Yeah, we'll you find know, a by time. all means. Uh, one of the things I'd like, in fact, I'd like to talk about. I think the whole situation with Yeshiva is a very yeah. Interesting I was going to finish with that one just quickly. We had Yeshiva on the show. They obviously don't know the answer yet because we're still working on. It. But what is what is that challenge that you guys have presented in front of you, and what do you think the solution may be? Um, well, first of all, um, you know, with with people of uh, people that are people that are Jewish, the Sabbath is an issue every sure. week, yeah. and that's from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. And uh, I don't know if I would say coincidentally, but in this case, there's another Jewish holiday called Purim, which is this Thursday, which. Uh, hmm compounds their situation too because they can't you know they can't uh they can't practice till thursday night for want of a better word and then on friday they have to be back in their hotel by um by about 5 30 p.m okay so what we're working on now and the strongest probability will be that the uh that york will play yeshiva probably at about one o'clock on friday followed by hamilton and nazareth Okay. It'll be a doubleheader that will be just be oh. played earlier in the day. Okay, so you won't hold the game till later. You'll just play a straight-up doubleheader. No, and then what would happen Saturday is that it would very likely, if Yeshiva wins and advances, it would be an 8.30 game Saturday okay. night if they don't. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about this. The NCAA was very, very clear with me about two things. One was to, you know, we, have, we need to administer, in, if, if at all possible, within the allotted three days. Gotcha. You know, Thursday for practice, Friday and Saturday for games. Okay. Uh, and 
and you know that we could have some flexibility during that range in terms of what we did. Um, and fortunately, you know, I, my hat's off to the people at York, uh, you know, their athletic administration mm-hmm. for saying, yeah, you know, we will, you know, we we may hurt our gate a little bit, but we understand that this is a big deal for this school, and I think it's a respect thing, yeah, as much as anything else, and it's been a very impressive respect display. Uh, you know, we had good. Honestly, we started talking about this yesterday during the Yeshiva game. <laughs> I was in communication with Linda Bruno, the Skyline Commissioner, who rotated off the basketball committee last year. And we actually started looking at this yesterday, and I was in communication with the NCAA yesterday afternoon about generating a solution. Okay. And I, I think, you know, when, when it comes to pass, it'll be a very good one and be fair to everybody. Yeah. Well, great to hear about York. I know those uh, those individuals as well. They're They're tremendous up there. Heck, we may be able to sneak up there to see the game before we got to come back down to do other responsibilities. So that's outstanding. Uh, I'm, I'm, that's just a selfish point of view. Um, thanks for taking the time. Again, if we feel we, we want to talk more, I'll contact you. But I really appreciate the time you took. I know you got to get on some conference calls right now. We always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts before we let you go? It, it's been a, it's really been a special a special thing for me to chair this committee. Um, you know, you never know how you're going to do and. Uh, I've had a great great group of national committee people to work for, and we're really looking forward to Salem. We're looking forward to having a great tournament and, uh, you know, celebrating St. Patrick's Day in the great American South. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to enjoy that, will we not, sir? <laughs> yes, we will. Yes, we will. Thanks, Dave. Thank you, Tim. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye. Tim Fitzpatrick, the Athletic Director at Coast Guard and the uh, Men's Committee Chair, joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Uh, we couldn't get everything answered. Tight timeline today, just the way it was built. Uh, again, if we if we generate enough questions and we feel it's necessary, we will try and, and reach out to Tim and talk to him in a podcast scenario, um, maybe later in the week. We will be doing that, hopefully, with the Women's Committee Chair, who was unable to join us on this special today, uh, Bobby Morgan. Um, in the meantime, we'll talk to Tim off air uh, as well, maybe get some questions answered, but we'll also talk to him when we get to Salem for the final time. Going to take another break. When we come back, Ryan and I will uh, finish up wrapping up with your questions and anything you have to say or thoughts and uh, and then wrap up the show. This one's not going to be a long one. We just want to do a quick breakdown of everything that's going on. So come back, and we'll get things uh, wrapped up with Ryan and my final thoughts as well. You listen to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Back with more Hoops after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. 
It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. Got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships, and we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin, nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we are in this bracket special. We are going to be wrapping up the show here momentarily. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. I think there might be some email questions. I will get to them in just a bit. In the meantime, Ryan Scott joins me back on uh, post-mortem from Tim Fitzpatrick appearing on the show. I thought Tim answered a, a lot of good questions there, uh, gave a, a ton of information. Uh, we can certainly talk to him about other things in the future. Yeah, he, he's all a great guy to work with and to talk to, and, and he's a good guy to have in charge of this committee. Yeah, he, he, he does a good work. We can disagree with a lot of things, but I think he said something that's fascinating. I don't want people to take it the wrong way, but I understood what he was trying to say. They go in understanding they're not going to be perfect, and what they're basically yeah. saying is they're not going to be able to get it the perfect way they want to get it. I understand that. We can nitpick about a lot of things. We can ask questions about a lot of things. But even we aren't going to get it perfect. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that I'm I'm thinking as he's as he was talking is that maybe there is uh, such a thing when it comes to bracketing, especially of starting too early. Like you want to know which matchups have been repeated during the year or previously, so that you can avoid those, and you want to have a list of some of that stuff together. But if you're starting to slot teams in too far ahead you're going to be getting your mind into specific scenarios that maybe aren't the way they have to be. Um, when we do the yeah. bracketing, obviously you find the outliers and you sort of work from there geographically. Um, but I, you know, if there's a surprise entrant at the last minute, um, you may not get your best bracket if you've already got a large framework. In place. You know, you got a point. Um, I know, I think the first time I started hearing that the bracket work was taking place earlier was last year. Um, uh, Jeff Burns was one of those who gave us a, a wealth of information, both on air and, on, and behind the scenes. And I never, and while I got a sense that they always worked on selections ahead of time, that's a system that can easily change and they will adjust to it. They won't get into a bog there. But the, I never got a sense that they were bracketing ahead of time. I do wonder, and, and I know several members on the committee very well. He mentioned Sam Atkinson. I joked about barbecue. Literally, Sam and I have sat and talked committee stuff over barbecue. It's outstanding. Um, I, I'd be interested to hear what Sam has to say, because Sam's also got a very analytical and non-biased mind. Uh, I'd love to hear what he thinks about that. Um, you, well, have, you raise an interesting point. You better point. believe I'm going to track him down in Salem, and we're going to have a nice conversation about the intricacies of putting a bracket together. That's yeah, you guys might have a little fun with that. Um, he's a bow-tying-wearing man, so I, I, I love seeing Sam. Um, I will hopefully we'll track them down before that. Um, but Sam, I mean, all of them I know are doing good work. Um, right. We all know that. And on the women's side of things, I think maybe they could have used a little bit more bracketing skills. I know you haven't seen the women's side as much as I have. 
I'm disappointed in some of the matchups. DePaul versus Trine, for example, I still can't wrap my mind around how that is a matchup in the first round. I know we're going to have tough matchups, but that one just screams at me of not really thinking it through. I've always gotten the impression, at least the last few years, that the women are more concerned keeping teams closer to home as much as possible. To some uh, degree. And you heard Tim say specifically that they wanted to, to get things mixed up. And, you know, I might be biased. I happen to think, you know, uh, our mock bracket's a little better at that. But they did a really, really good job of getting some of those moved around, like getting Maryville to wash you, mm-hmm. putting uh, Illinois Wesleyan at, uh, over in Ohio. You know, some of those things that, that they worked really hard at were good. And, um, you know, making sure they knew who the best teams were so they knew where to send the hosting uh, pods and, is and we, great too. And we also got a sense of understanding why Northwest Conference got shaped up the way they were. One, they did want to kind of respect Whitman to some degree. But two, the Texas schools didn't file to host people. And that is a huge one. I can't believe it still happens to this day. That is a okay. huge variable. We, we do want to give Saul Ross the benefit of the doubt here. Even if Saul Ross hiled, filed to host, they're never going to host. There are not four teams close enough Shriner's to drive. Shriner's the only drive. one that was close enough. Right. Shriner could have had both Letourneau and Saul Ross there. But, uh, you know. Apparently maybe they didn't they, file. They, they didn't. You know, they're a pretty low-ranked team. They, they maybe just didn't expect that it was something that would even be a possibility. Although right. if I was at a texas school i'd file even if i had seven wins because you never know what's gonna happen i know school who files even if they don't even think they've got a chance they're gonna file anyway just in case it happens um my first year in ncaa division three was a was an experience of not filing my alma mater ended up hosting a, a team they had lost to um it was salisbury women coming to goucher women in the first round of the NCAA tournament, this is before we had true pods. I think it was a Thursday game. Then it then went on to play somebody else on Saturday. And it was at Goucher, and Goucher was in their road jerseys because technically Salisbury was the higher-ranked team, but Salisbury didn't put in to host. And that's when I first learned all about that. That was 1990-something, folks. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's get our hosting in. And by the way, Saul Ross might not have put in to host because technically if they had Shriners close enough, they still have one team like the Northwest Conference. But nonetheless, Tim made it sound like nobody in Texas had filed. And that is a that is a variable we have to understand. If no one put yep. into host, they aren't taking them there. They're going somewhere else. As a result, we have Whitman versus Whitworth. That's it's unavoidable in that sense because it's going to cost more money to make it not unavoidable. Yep, that's what I said. Uh, and then the other one when they talked about Swarthmore versus Christopher Newport, and I think that was a good answer that comes from the committee. They said they they considered all the options and they thought Christopher Newport was the best opportunity and it does make a little uh, more convenient for emory and henry i guess and i think facilities wise and with experience christopher newport's hosted a lot down there um you know it, it probably will be a little bit better this weekend yeah um and listen we can nitpick again uh we got the regional rankings a little bit differently than they did but I, when you go back uh, again, I, I, we were nitpicking anyway. I had Springfield. You guys had Amherst. We went with Amherst. Uh, we debated the ETBU over Letourneau backwards and forwards and left and right. Interesting, I had a conversation with somebody on text. They said they actually had Randolph making in the, over North, North Central because they liked RMC's numbers better. But they also didn't drop RMC when they did their own regional rankings nearly as far. It's right. that conversation, and you and I talked about it with Bob, and I think we even talked about it on the women's side. 
Sometimes the data in a region looks one way, but when you look at it from a national point of view, it looks differently. And that's the caveat sometimes. You rank how you think it's going to work well, but in reality, if you had ranked it differently, it would have resulted in different results. Right. And, and I didn't go back and look at it because we obviously haven't had time today, but I realized this morning getting up, one of the things that, that you and Bob and I did not talk about too much was um, common opponents. Uh, we didn't that really was bring bugging that up me last night. I went to bed. Yeah. I'm lying in bed and I'm thinking to myself, you know what we did not talk enough about? We didn't talk about common opponents enough at all. And I kept sitting there going, why am I going to wake up and we're going to have six or seven of these wrong because we <laughs> didn't do enough homework? Well, and that's the fifth primary criteria, right? Right. It's an important yeah. part that I think was being used this year. It's, yeah. It's well, always yeah. being used. Let me rephrase that. It got, I don't it, know it got a good well, look. I don't know how well it came into the conversation because we didn't look at it. So, <laughs> well, true, a fair point. Um, um, but yeah, we'll have to remember that for next year to make sure that we're looking at those common. But that does apply a lot more when you're doing your regional ranking than right. when you're at the national level because there are just a lot fewer common opponents. Right, and I think that's where right. I didn't think it was a conversation we necessarily needed to have when we came to selections, but I think it would have changed the conversation a little bit when we got to regional rankings, uh, to be sure. sure. Uh, heck, I haven't even looked at the common opponents with Brockport and Hobart. That might even reveal another lean towards Brockport that right. I don't realize is sitting there. Yeah, um, yeah I, I literally was lying in bed last night going, oh, no, why? Oh, how did we forget to talk about that stuff? Um, only a couple more minutes here, folks, especially if you don't have any questions, which I'm fine with. If you don't have questions, then we're doing a darn good job around here and, and, and taking care of things. Um, so I appreciate that. Um, anything else jump out at you? I'm trying to remember if there was anything that 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 kind of was glaring to me. Again, three misses for me, I think, is not too bad. There was one year we didn't miss any. That's weird. Uh, but this year was so much parity to miss only three seems pretty jovial to some extent. Well, and and I feel like there are some years um, where the teams we put in the last couple slots. Uh, you know, have similar cases to the teams we leave out and you feel bad. Mm -hmm. In this case, I feel like those last three or four spots, it, it didn't feel like any of them had complaints whether they were in or not, right? Like none of those resumes were strong enough that, that almost felt like they deserved to be in. They just are sort of in because we have to get a couple more slots in. Yeah, it's kind of one of those shrug your shoulder ones. Like, okay, then they went that way. We would have gone that way, but really, okay. Yeah. Like I don't feel, I don't feel bad for any of the teams that aren't in. Not no. that they aren't sad about it, but just that, the cases, it's not like somebody had a strong case and didn't get in. Yeah, we had Wheaton in, right? And Wheaton didn't make it. Was that the women's side? On the men's side. Did we have Wheaton in? No, we didn't have Wheaton in. Thank you. I'm just cross, crossing my wires. I apologize. We didn't even get them to the table because we thought Rippon would pass. That's them. right. We had to go back and check. Was that true? I think you're right. Um, I forgot about that. Uh, anything on the on the men's bracket, at least? I know you've looked at that one primarily more than the women's that jumps out at you as, as something. That if you had the ability, you would show up and go watch? Oh, if I had the ability to watch? Like, if you had the ability to, in the finances and there was nothing in the way, you would show up and go 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 to. I, I actually looked at whether I could drive 10 hours to Plattsburgh this weekend. Oh, did uh, you? 10 hours? Yeah. You're a slow it's, driver. It's pretty far up there. I don't know the last time you've been to Plattsburgh, Dave, but. You're a slow driver. It's like a good three hours north of Albany. So. No, I know. I'm just giving you a, giving you a hard time. Um, um, no, that would be fun. 
No, I'm trying to think. The other first round ones, there's a couple. I mean, obviously Worcester, Illinois, Wesleyan, I think will be fantastic. Marietta, Oshkosh um, should be a really good game as well. And I think, I, I don't know what to expect out of it, but I feel like maybe Emory and Henry and Franklin and Marshall could be a pretty even matchup. Might be an interesting first round. Mm. For- yeah, I could see that being. Um, people are asking us about second weekend hosts. Let's get through the first weekend, folks. Well, um, I know that there were some questions about, like, if things go to seed, who's going where and all that kind of stuff. And just to say, they're not going to fly teams if there's a place everybody can drive to. Correct. So, in other <laughs> words, Whitman's flying. Yeah. Well, and, like... Unless if, everybody flies in that group. If Williams and Christopher Newport are both in, they're going to go someplace in between. Yeah, but well, speaking of which, that's you know, a good like question. That's, uh, Christopher Newport, Eastern how, Connecticut, Hopkins... Huh. If Christopher Newport and Williams are in there about 517 or something like that apart, they're going to go to some place in the middle. It's yeah. Just and Eastern Connecticut could work or Hopkins could work if if it holds its chalk. Eastern Connecticut's too far. It would have to be Hopkins. It Is it? You think Eastern Connecticut's too far? It's on the eastern part. I know, well, but I Wesleyan still Wesleyan is too far and that is closer than Eastern Connecticut. So. Really? Yeah. I'll take your word for it. Um <laughs> I am curious though. That's Eastern Western Connecticut. Connecticut would probably be oh, yeah. okay. Eastern Connecticut is not. Yeah, you're right. 537. Um, yeah, I mean, you got Whitman, St. John's, WashU, Platteville. Uh, those top three are, are St. John's, WashU, and Platteville are, are drivable chalk. So Whitman's going to head into the that area somewhere. Wesleyan, well, and Plattsburgh, that- York, Cabrini. They can easily get to everybody there, I believe. Those are all good. John Carroll, Augustana, Emory, Wittenberg. That's the only one that's going to have an extra flight built in there somewhere, but it's all going to depend on where they can get to. I think Augustana can get to John Carroll, but that one might be pushing it. Um, well, they can certainly get to Wittenberg, I would think. Yes, I believe they can get to Wittenberg, no problem. It's why it's, they get all the way to John Carroll, I'm not sure of. Right, that it would probably end up, and Wittenberg's the high seed there anyway. Actually, the- Augustana to Wittenberg is 615. Hmm. Yeah, that bottom bracket's got a little bit of an interesting twist to it. 672 to John Carroll. Well, he did say that they put specifically to have the second best teams be the two seeds in all of those. And so I guess that's just the best situation they would have for Augustana there. And if you start thinking about it, if you start taking some of those teams in the upper. Are you sure you didn't accidentally pick the South Dakota Augustana? I I can double check. There's a chance I did that. I was trusting the uh, TES system. Six six feels a really long. I'll, no, you might be right. I might. I, I'm looking at it now. I'm very likely got that wrong. I apologize. Nope, you're right. I did have the wrong one. I just it just didn't pop up right. Yeah. Four thirty six to Wittenberg. Four thirty six yeah, to Wittenberg. I was gonna say I'm pretty sure they could get there. And that was the other question that I had. Five oh four to John Carroll. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was the other question. I didn't know if maybe we can talk to Tim offline. The the pod that's at Platteville. If we switched it with the pod that's at Emory, you wouldn't create any extra flights because Platteville can also drive to Wittenberg, and you may have evened out the strength in those a little bit more. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, possibly. Hey, uh, one person pointed out the one that I certainly am intrigued by, Augustana versus Greenville. Buckle up, folks. That one should be fun. Yeah, that could be pretty fast. It could be. I feel like Augustan is going to be willing to run with them. I think they would be. I, though at the same time, I think I said this on air, Greg Giovanni also might be pulling his hair out having to scout uh, George Barber's team. 
Well, that's more of a system thing. You just figure out what kind of defense you're going to play, and you don't really worry about... <laughs> yeah, Everybody but... Everybody on Greenville's going to be a shooter, so you don't have to worry about that. That said, I've heard a number of coaches tell me it takes you two to three games after a system game to get it out of your system, no pun intended. you got 12 hours. Yeah. You know, you got to get that out quick. Um, and, yeah. You know, that, that could come back to, to haunt Augsburg, or Augsburg, Augustana, a little bit. We'll see. I mean, Augsburg's on the other side of that with hope. Um, so there's a lot we got to figure. I mean, people got to play games. <laughs> we got to we got to get games uh, out from underneath us first. Augsburg would be a very different uh, style of basketball. Yes, very different. Greenville. <laughs> Speaking yes. of which, actually, hope can go high scoring. So maybe that's what Augustana wants is hope. Yeah. Well, yeah. I just speaking of which, I don't know if we're going to get to talk about him too much. Colin Almshied at Augsburg. Yes. At one heck of a conference tournament. Uh, he not just single-handedly because the team was great all around. Oh, absolutely. But Thirty-six points in the championship game, making sure that they get through um, one of the best players in the country, and uh, just give him a shout out that that it was a very impressive performance. If anybody heard the women's selection show, I gave a shout out to another player, Kelly Williams at Randolph, making seventy-nine points and sixty rebounds in three oh, games. That was the other one on the women's side I wanted to mention. If they get through. The second-round matchup between Randolph-Macon and Christopher Newport. Um, oh, yeah. X's and O's, baby. Not just not just the proximity of how close those campuses are. There's kind of a rivalry going on there. But yeah. that Christopher Newport is one of the few teams that has a lot of bodies they can throw at Kelly Williams. Yeah, that's absolutely true. But at the same time, she doesn't seem to be phased by anything. Um, 24 rebounds in the quarterfinal game, 16 and then 20. She had 31 and 20 in the championship. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, I had to give her a shout out on air because that was just ridiculous. Um, yeah, she, she puts up uh, pretty amazing numbers. Hey, how about the fact you, yeah, I know she's yeah. only a sophomore. Uh, how about the fact ah. we could go see York play Yeshiva and then get down here to do the whip around, probably? Oh. I know. That 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 is brilliant. And let's say they play it at one o'clock. Ends a little before three. It's about a we skip the second game and we get skip back. Skip the second game. It's about a thirty to forty minute trip down here to the to the studio. Walk in, we still got time to get a bite to eat and a drink, chat and get things rolling in time for games. That sounds like a wonderful <laughs> A wonderful experience. <laughs> it could be fun. We'll have to see. We still haven't figured out if we're doing whip around yet or all those details. We'll work on those in the next 24 hours. But I already had that go through my head. Yeah. That could work yeah. out nice. Though well, I'm, we, we need to make sure we get the official start times before we make too many plans. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. I was just basing on what Tim Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick was saying. By the way, I am kicking ourselves, though. Last year we did whip around because we realized it's just hard to get to locations. Now I'm going to have two NCAA tournaments within 30 minutes of my house. <laughs> what well maybe we can send a reporter out to get us some live there we go feedback we'll send my son out well that's what i said we, we could do that if it york's games are early we can still make it happen that's true that's true all right i'm going to check around for any last minute questions before we get rolling here uh we don't need to keep driving this into the ground oh we actually do have questions how about that I was looking at the boards. There weren't too many. So Got a question. What, you... what about George Fox women's team to Iowa with Wartburg and St. Benedict's versus Whitman in Texas? The Iowa group has the top three regional reps from the Texas group has a little regional power. 
Yeah, I said this, Robin. Uh, I think I know who this is coming from, ironically enough. Robin, I will not say your last name. Um, I, was, I said it on the NCAA bracket show that I was really stunned by that bracket, um, that, I, that I'm a little disappointed um, that Whitman got sent down to the Texas group, which is a behemoth of a group, and that I wasn't blown away by the Warpburg side either, that George Fox and St. Benedict have to play each other. I don't know what that means. Maybe they weren't respecting George Fox as well as we thought. Uh, I feel bad for the Gorlocks of Webster, the odd man out in that group. But those well, are two monster pods right there. I will just mention, I mean, I assume George Fox went. They won the AQ, right? Who? George Fox did, yeah. Yeah, so that's, I guess, a slightly better place to go. But I know Pat and I were doing mock bracketing for the women last night, and there were some geographic issues out west to just having enough teams to fill out those pods in appropriate ways. So there was going to be some unbalanced stuff, I think, just by virtue of geography out there. I get that, but that whole right-hand quadrant, lower right-hand quadrant, Warburg hosting, Illinois Wesleyan hosting, Texas Dallas hosting, and St. Thomas hosting is a behemoth. I'd love yeah. to have seen them get Chicago out somewhere else. Oh, they absolutely could have divided it up a little bit better. I'm not sure specifically Warburg. Uh, it wasn't going to look good necessarily, whoever ended up there. Well, possibly. Uh, Mark's asking insights on Eau Claire and Oshkosh women. Well, that was from earlier, right? Where you got no, this is actually a new email. Women. I think it's just maybe bearing it. I'm gonna see if we've got updated regional rankings. I was gonna say, did we get those yet? <laughs> nope. Eau Claire was seventh, Oshkosh with eighth. I mean, and and I, I they weren't gonna get to the table and have good numbers, unfortunately. Um, I had another email, it disappeared. Give me a minute to get back to it if it wants to load. Um, is top 25 coming out tonight? Yes, it is it coming out tonight. As soon as some of us, like myself, uh, get to uh, finish out, fill out our bracket or our, our top 25s. Uh, thanks I for all the hard work. I fell asleep doing mine last night. I had to give up and finish in the morning. So. Yeah, I'm going to have to do it when I get off the air here in a couple minutes. As a Marietta alum, I'm very disappointed in the first two round pairings. Uh, oh, okay. I'm going to get to your bracket. Hold on. It says you and Wine Rinnable both had the Pioneers playing at York. Okay, that says a lot. No, it doesn't. It just says that we had that creativity. Then I see the shock that the Pios have to go to Springfield. Wisconsin Oshkosh is going to be a beast of an opponent. And by the way, he's not saying Springfield College. He's talking about uh, he's talking about going to uh, John Carroll, right? No, where are they going? Wittenberg. Wittenberg. Yeah, Wittenberg. He says uh, Oshkosh is going to be a beast of an opponent. Right, but Oshkosh and Marietta also don't have, have resumes that match up like that. We, yeah. Go ahead. That was just one. The fact that they kept Marietta, Wittenberg together, Worcester, John Carroll, kind of the, the four big teams from Ohio, they probably could have done better to mix that up a little bit. But like you said, the resumes, they're not they're not going to go out of their way to make it easier for them. Um. Yeah, I'm a little disappointed maybe we didn't break up the, the Great Lakes teams as much as we, we could have. I'll, I will admit that I don't like that. But I don't think Marietta needed any protection, per right. se. Um, yeah, oh, we, no. had them, we had them going to York, but we also tend to be far more creative than the NCAA is capable or wants to be. And, and that's not a shot at the NCAA. We just tend to be a little more pie in the sky. <laughs> right, well... Um... Yeah, and, and we're also not coaches. So when you get the coaches and athletic directors in there, they're thinking about the people who are coaching these teams and the players on those teams and how those match up. And there's a lot of other things that come into their mind. I'm pretty 
focused on just trying to get the best mix that we can get. And, and I don't know that I'm considering all of the things that they go into it when they're doing the bracket either. Right. <clears throat> we, we tend to have an outsider's point of view. Um, uh, the not, other, the not other in a thing, bad way, bad, but <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. The other thing I mentioned it earlier, but you know, they may not have been tuning in then teams like Illinois Wesleyan and Marietta and Oshkosh are big names that normally get some, status protections in these tournaments that just don't deserve it this year yeah agreed um and so it kind of throws your mind off when you see oh marietta and oshkosh you know that should be a later game you said well most years it should be but not this year right exactly exactly <laughs> it's this year that i think everyone has to remember and remember there's no like history thing that that dictates um you know we don't have criteria that says because so and so did so well last year protect them no this is this year we ha- we live in that vacuum to some degree. I'm not getting a flood of questions. Are any host schools in danger of losing the first round? Yeah, pick a host school. They're all in danger of losing the first round, to be blunt. Uh, and I mean that seriously. Um, not all of them. but I think Plattsburgh's got the hardest first round game. Uh, Platts- Plattsburgh's taking on Monmouth. Yeah, I think that could be a real test for them. I think Bethany Lutheran actually might be interesting for St. John's, believe it or not. I think Wesleyan's going to have a battle with St- Southern Vermont. I think Plattsburgh's yeah. going to take on Nichols is going to be tough. Well, uh, I don't think we've ever had a year where a host didn't lose the first round. That's right? true. Absolutely. I don't. I don't think we've had Yeshiva. We mentioned earlier might be a tough test for York. Thomas Moore, John Carroll. I think Thomas Moore and Nichols are the two best host opponents. So, uh, yeah, Is Thomas Moore, John Carroll could be interesting. Greenville, Augustana, honestly, could be because it's, it's Greenville plays a different style. Right. Um. Uh, quickly looking through. Uh, well, Johnson and Wales might give Eastern Connecticut a run. I'm not really, I'm not really buying they're it. Pretty, they're playing really well right now. Right, they're playing well. That's why I'm kind of leaning that way. Yeah, I think we're going to get an upset on the first night. I, who knows where specifically, but I think it's absolutely certainly possible. Um, yeah, it always seems to happen somewhere. So. Exactly. Maybe Yeshiva. Who knows? Absolutely. Um, are there any one-two seeds that are in danger? Yeah, we asked. I'm uh, sorry, my my bad. Um, Pat says we should bring a video report from Yeshiva. <laughs> yeah, I like it, too. Can we do the whip around at Hopkins? We, I'd have to deassemble half the studio to do it because we need the beast of my computer set up to do it. Um, Ryan and I went through some pains to make sure George Fox was sent somewhere but it, where it made sense. Yeah, I get that. I think George Fox took a hit there. And to be honest with you, I think they took a hit because uh, the Northwest Conference wasn't as strong as we've seen them in the past. Has York PA announced it will handle the Yeshiva situation? Taft? It's not York that technically makes that decision. It's the NCAA. We had the committee chair on earlier. It sounds like they will play a Friday afternoon game, possibly at 1 o'clock, immediately followed by the doubleheader of the other game. And if Yeshiva were to win, then they'll play late on Saturday night. If Yeshiva does not win, then they'll play normal time probably on Saturday, maybe a little earlier on Saturday. Um, but York doesn't technically make that announcement. That's an NCAA one because of the of the circumstances. But York's but it, involved in that conversation. It's wonderful to hear from Tim that York apparently is being more than accommodating. Well, and I wonder, I got sort of an implication. Maybe we want to clarify with this with Tim later, that maybe they reached out to York ahead of time and said, hey, we're thinking of doing this. Are you able to accommodate it? I, I suspect they did. I, I do know I got a phone call. I, I Let's see, the men's bracket was to be released at 12.30. It was at least at 1. I was preparing to do the women's recording, which was going to take place at 1. I got a call about 12.10, 12.15 from an individual, wondering if I was going to be able to cover something. 
because he was going to have to be at Hopkins. He said, I said, oh, of course, I played dumb. Well, oh, what, what, oh well, Hopkins is hosting the NCAA tournament. I said, oh, how do they, how do they know? So I think the hosts were let let known a little bit in advance, and they were. And Hopkins, being Hopkins, they're good at this, was already starting to make some plans uh, in advance to get pieces in place. Um, doesn't mean they released the information, folks. Don't don't jump on that one. I have All a right. feeling York was absolutely contacted ahead of time, saying, "Listen, we want you to host, but there's a caveat because I think the caveat was big enough to at least get that ball running." rolling well enough in advance because if there was a problem they're going to need to make a change to a bracket well right and there's four or five hosts that yeshiva can conceivably have been at so i'm sure that they they tried to find the right situation yep i mean i would love to have seen them down in baltimore or in philly uh, maybe with a a a bigger jewish community just because it's so unique but the community to be honest with you the the very likely the committee doesn't know all of those details I, i can think of two guys on that committee who would have uh, one who used to live in this area, who's now in the Great Lakes chair, and one who is in this area, um, and this area being the Baltimore area. That being said, York isn't that bad a choice. It's not that far north of Baltimore. It's not that far south of Harrisburg. It's not that far west of of, Pitt, of Philadelphia. Could, it, could They could still have one heck of a crowd there, to be honest with you. I, I feel like the way that you keep talking about York is that you're offering some challenge to the small Jewish community in York, Pennsylvania, <laughs> that they're they're going to take this personally. You need to be at York. <laughs> and York, you need to get bigger servers. <laughs> the entire yeah. world's going to be tuning into that game. Um, and I really do think the entire world will be tuning into that game. Um, just double-checking. It looks like maybe our questions have simmered down after a little bit of a run here. Um, John Kelly says, Yeshiva men's basketball is quality this year and physical. Interesting to see how they do. I do think they'll be interesting to watch. By the way, most of that group's just sophomores. How fun yeah, will that they're, be? They're going to be very good. Yep. So I think on that note, we'll wrap it up. Listen, we'll be two things that are going to happen the rest of the week as we possibly. Well, I can talk about those details later. Let's get Ryan. Ryan doesn't need to listen to me gam, gammer on. Uh, any final thoughts you see, sir, before we let you go and before you do your yeoman's work? Um, no, I, I just feel like we've got a good tournament. You know, um, it's going to be competitive. I think it's balanced pretty well. Um, you know, we're never completely happy with, with what the committee does, but I think this is one of the better ones in a while, and uh, we're going to see some great basketball. And again, if they're already going in knowing they're not going to be perfect, I can't fault them too much. They tried their best, and, and, and yeah, we can nitpick yeah. nef- left and right too. So, Sir, thanks for taking your time, especially throughout the day, and yesterday most especially of helping me out. I appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you behind the scenes, and if we do whip around, I'll look forward to seeing you in the studio next week. Sounds good. Awesome. Ryan joining us here on the City of Salem Skype hotline. So here's a quick thing from some details from your point of view, everybody out there. We will try and get a hold of the Women's Basketball Committee chair to have some further conversations with or have conversations with her and try and turn around a podcast sometime in the next 36 hours. If we need, we'll go back to Tim Fitzpatrick and talk more with him and turn around a podcast as well. Then Thursday, we will have a show. Um, most likely previewing everything and talking to some coaches who are working on their NCAA tournament uh, opportunities. And then stay tuned with whether what will if we will return to whip around like we did last year or not. Um, again, if you got questions, you're welcome to go to d3boards.com where we talk about them all the time. You can also tweet me at d3hoopsville and hashtag hoopsville. You can also on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Lots of ways of communicating. We'll do our best to answer your questions when we can, 
Um, but give me a moment to at least enjoy the rest of my evening with my family, who I've barely seen in the last few days, on top of the fact of getting a bite to eat and finishing my top 25. The new top 25s will come out. A reminder, those are the final top 25s until the end of the season. So the penultimate top 25s come out later tonight, and I do need to go do some work on those. I want to thank uh, Elliot Steinmetz for coming on the show to talk about Yeshiva Men's Basketball. I want to thank Tim Fitzpatrick for coming on the show to talk about the Men's Basketball Committee chair as well. I want to thank all those at Tupelo, Raycom, Turner, and the NCAA for allowing me to participate in the selection shows once again this year. Always enjoy that and appreciate it. Thanks to the guys behind the scenes, as always, and everybody who's helped us out in the last few days. Bob Quillman, James Wagner, B.J. Spiegelmeyer, uh, of course, Pat Coleman, Gordon Mann, Ryan Scott as well, and everybody else who has done uh, heavy lifting here at D3Hoops.com. Hope you enjoyed all our programming and all of our efforts. Again, stick with us. Don't forget the D3 Bracket Challenge is uh, online, available, and ready to go if you want to try and put your, um, not money where your mouth is, that's not how we do it, but at least put uh, maybe your ego where your mouth is and see if you can back up your bravado for the NCAA tournament and see how well you can do at picking. I never do so well. (laughs) We'll see how it goes. Yours truly will be on the road in Salem. I am on the broadcast crew for NCA.com. Looking forward to that. Of course, Hoops will be on the road for that as well with courtside shows. Um, I believe Pat Coleman will be joining me and Gordon Mann will be heading out to Rochester, Minnesota. Not sure about anything else, but our road to Salem and road to Rochester is underway as it is for 64 other teams on the men's side and 64 other teams on the women's side. Who wins? We'll find out. Games start on Friday. One more Hoopsville to break it all down. On Thursday, we hope you'll join us here at 7 o'clock Eastern time for that. And with that, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the shows over the last few days. We appreciate you taking the time to join us. You've been listening to Hoops Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. We want to thank our partners at D3Hoops.com, Women's Basketball Coaches Association, National Association of Basketball Coaches, and, of course, the City of Salem as well, a sponsor of our hotline for their support of Hoopsville. Uh, this is a copyrighted broadcast of Hoopsville. Without the express written consent of Hoopsville, DMAC Productions, myself, you do not get to reuse it, but please at least just ask, and we probably will let you reuse it if you would like. Hope you enjoyed this and the podcast. If you missed the podcast or the you want the podcast from Monday, don't worry, we'll turn those around in short order as well. Thanks, everybody. Good night, and enjoy the NCAA tournament. <laughs>